the midseason. It's done. It's dusted. We have a champion. One that I'm sure surprised everybody. It was shocking. It was uh, absolutely flabbergasting that the Atlanta Reign walked through nearly uncontested. Uh, but to help us break us break the entire event and some of the more recent news literally happened like 30 minutes ago down. Uh, Custa's joining the show. Thank you so much for coming in and coming and hang out for a little bit. No worries. Thanks for having me on again. It's always fun chatting with you guys. Oh, thanks. Yiska, how are things? Busy. Busy. What a week. What a week. <laughs> and, it ju- and it keeps coming and it don't stop. It is a constant revolving door in this eSport. Yeah. Let me tell you. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, mid-season, any, any you know, initial takeaways are we you know was it was it nice to see you know fans back in the in, in the arena was it nice to also hear i mean custa you guys got like some of the, the had to have felt some of the energy from the crowd as well right yeah no it was uh it was awesome to have like a playoff event anytime where you have like loser can choose the map choice i feel like we just get better games like overall and i think we saw like a couple mm. of like the best games of the season this sure. weekend uh i wish it was a little bit longer like it felt like just as it was starting to get spicy, it kind of ended. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that, that's the way things go this season, unfortunately. True. True. Jessica, any takeaways? We finally got back at, back at home, live arenas? Look, that, I'll, I'll play with you. Like, I've, I, I was at the Dota Major. I was at uh, MSI. Mm-hmm. And now, like, seeing the art that Korean fans draw onto these cards is crazy. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. The quality of that <laughs> is so much higher. <laughs> like, it's, it's insanity. Like there's stick figures. Like even their stick figures look good. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. High tier stuff. I, I thought like overall, like it was really well done. I think you could kind of tell that it was not the greatest time window for Korea either, just because like mm. attendance... I felt a little bit for the camera operators having to find the correct angles for <laughs> for some of those days at least. I think the finals there was actually pretty well populated. Yeah, it was pretty well. Yeah, yeah it was good. Um, the energy was sweet, and yeah, I don't know. It's just good to have people, you know, in one physical location. And we also got mm. some sweet interviews out of it. I know I I went on a bit of a cry fest before the event based on the content we had beforehand. But yeah, I think the the interviews. Uh, helped, of course. Like there's always things to re- uh, reiterate upon, and then the games were also really good. Uh, there was mm-hmm. very few series that were just uncharacteristically bad. I think the only one that comes to mind that I didn't even really watch was the Florida Boston one, right? That wasn't yeah, great. Yeah, that one was. It, it wasn't great. Boston kind of just like packed it up, and they were like, you know, we're pretty happy here, and then they just sort of like <laughs> let it go. That's Florida it, did come in in a heater, yeah. <laughs> yeah it didn't even make sense but the, the rest were all like there was honestly based on scrim results I'm really happy f- with how APEC teams performed <laughs> because I didn't think ah. they'd, they'd even you know get considerably close winning a series and then they did so it actually yeah they spark ended up I think narrowly being very narrowly yeah. but nonetheless Maybe a bad day at the office, and we'll, we'll get into that. But uh, before we dive in, because I do want to get touch back with the uh, the stock exchange, maybe maybe we can uh, milk some some blood from the stone there. We'll see. Uh, but we do have to celebrate and and thank the people who make the show happen. So thank you to the patrons and the YouTube members who uh, you know 
got us to where we are 300 plus episodes that's super dope and cussed us here that's crazy um so thank you so much to our patron producers battlecry brief and being broads babu how picasso chris art three four 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 kasha 67 lotion pork chop sammy rexane follow melon sugar high and our youtube members imdrw brother adam l soggy fumi ice m jello fire element six ak and chris r yiska you talked about how you were excited that apac did as well as they did mm-hmm. what are you what do you mean when you say that was that like are they really doing that bad like you didn't think they were getting maps yes maybe um <laughs> okay. so i feel like still and that's mm-hmm. that's also i tweeted that as well and i still believe this especially yeah. like the hardware is there okay Mm-mm-mm. the problem is that they don't have the software because they don't have the training programs to you know install it they sure. need more exposure to uh top na teams in order to catch up and i think at that point Inferno's unlikely to get to the Outlaws and especially Rain level. But just below that, I think like both Spark and um, and Infernal have shown that there is something there that they could get there, right? Like reliably, mm-hmm. I would say even Spark in that Florida match reached that level, even though that was kind of iffy on both parts, I think. Um but yeah, like I think just based on uh, on the scrum results beforehand, it was pretty rough. And yeah, um, the problem also is that the level of play generally in APAC because of the, yeah, the sort of like the well drying up a little bit in uh, Contenders Korea as well. It's, mm. it's just not the same if you have like, you know, proper O2 to practice against. And then your oh, for sure. next yeah. best team is like, now what is it? Poker face or whatever? And um, like even there, they, that those teams were already being broken apart because of um, yep. transfers, right? So they yep. weren't performing at the highest level in order to prepare, prepare. And then maybe it's also not the greatest matter for the, both of those teams. So like I'm hopeful that the gap could be closing depending on what kind of a matter we get, especially towards playoffs. Because theoretically, and maybe we'll talk about it, but probably in for two meta switches for the rest of the season. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, with the the news that came out, I think uh, you know, whether it was on broadcast, maybe Custer, you can can jog my memory. Um, was that on the broadcast, or was that just like a piece of news that came out like at like a sideline? Like, I think it came alongside. up in the pre-show when they were talking okay. about it. Right. I think they. Uh, I'm gonna throw a date out there, but I'm not 100 percent sure on this. I think it was August 25th yes. is when I think the date was that mm. um, they were saying that there will be the new flashpoint into the game yes. i think yeah. it was Believe so, so i don't know if that includes season six hero i would assume it would if you're putting it flashpoint does, yeah. in you're probably adding the new hero at the same time as well so yeah like it, it'll be awesome to see more meta shifts i think this meta was fun it's always fun to have a dive meta but i think mm-hmm. it as as with all things it lasted a little bit too long but that's yeah. usually just because of you want to keep the competitive integrity plus like the junker queen changes were just yeah. like pretty ridiculous like and we didn't want that to directly affect the midseason madness so you know it, it sort of added that fluidity to the mm. tournament but i don't know it, it feels like we've been playing sombra for a while and like yeah. going back to what yiska said is like i just don't think apac were as good at sombra like they obviously mm. when you saw those teams go up against the best sombras it felt like they were just they were playing the one-to-one matchup worse i feel like the translocators were getting caught they were getting isolated a lot more they just yeah you know, apac has a lot of 
interesting looks and tried a lot of different things. And I think that hurt them in the overall somber meta when push came to shove. Yep. I think uh, echoing a point that seems to be only more etched in stone, the more that we see him play, it is Lip and it's everybody else. And nobody really, really comes close, right? Everybody else is just a little bit behind. Their EMPs are a little slower. They're... They're solo little plays. And then to be fair to Lip, like, well, I guess maybe not fair, but, you know, to bully him a little bit. Um, you know, he's he's not without his his flaws sometimes. He's going for those, like, little assassinates, and sometimes they they miss. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think one of the big things you bring up, the, like, the translocators, like, not a lot of people, you know, we're not seeing a ton of, like, community attraction to, like, that being something that you need as a somber player to kind of keep track of and that was something that i thought happy did beautifully um qualifying for the event um in that that initial head-to-head where you know i felt like on i think it was sub level on antarctic peninsula versus houston where yeah. he's just haunting him down he's just looking for translocators like he is he's 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 got a blood scent he's ready to pounce like it was it was very intentional the the stuff that that you know junk buck had happy do but yeah no. i also I, like I want to add a point there. I also think mm. that's one of the reasons that the APAC teams did the best against the Florida Mayhem because the Florida Mayhem are the team that I think are the uh, least proficient at the Sombra, and they have a little bit of other things that they play, mm-hmm. and they don't. That's not really their primary strength, in my yep. opinion. So I think that's why you saw Florida struggle against both of those teams because they were getting matched in that aspect. Yep, and I think that was kind of like the. The, the blessing and the curse, I guess, proverbially, and it, it's kind of a cliche to say, but it really was like the double edged sword for Florida where it's like, yeah, you're not going to you're not going to be able to do the Sombra dive. You're not going to match them. You you have some of the pieces, but it's very clear that you feel uncomfortable with it. Mm. But you have all these, you know, you have the Ramatra comp, you have Merit on hit scan, which is fantastic. That's, you know, a, a very comfortable wheelhouse for him to be put in checkmate, you know. God bless him. He's making these these crazy hero plays. I think it was versus Boston on that on one of those last fights on Antarctica where like he's like kind of stealthily like crouch walking past everybody. He gets like the blizzard on the Ana. He ice blocks like a sleep dart just making hero plays. Um, But it was very clear that like they didn't want to play the meta. And I felt like that was kind of the strat to like pull everybody down to like this some weird like God bless him. Rest him. We'll, We'll talk about him like the Chengdu zone almost. And try to you know throw him a curveball a little bit but yeah i i mean you kind of have to also take the 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 bullet there where it's like yeah you're you're also not playing the best comp so yeah you're probably gonna struggle a little bit right yeah no absolutely yiska yeah do we like florida i think like this is also probably yeah this this is just not their ideal meta i think generally Mm. speaking any meta that has sombra is a problem for parity in this league just because lip gaps and as you get onto hard hit scans it might be pointing towards i think that's when the field opens up right then you have Mm -hmm. like way more superstars across the level that have comparable levels and also but based on the day-to-day you know can just take over a match right like i'm not sure like i feel like i don't know put someone like Hydron on the Sombra gets gapped by Lip 10 out of 10 times. Hit scan, mm-hmm. maybe 8 out of 7, 7 out of 10 times, you know? Yeah. So that, that provides like a healthy variance 
and it's not bullshit variants. It's hard-earned skill variants yeah. um, that makes it fun to observe, right? This is just... <laughs> and then also, like, Stalker was also on one this entire weekend. Oh, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Also, b by the way, Joe, crazy vindication. <laughs> I, I don't know if you remember... Like oh, this, I remember the the uh, episode we did with Johnny, where I was like, mm -hmm. "I'd I'd rather take Stalker over Profit." Don't feel bad about that take now. Like yep, that's yep. It's kind of feels like this kid is the truth. Of course, it's really hard to talk about the individual levels on the Atlanta Rain, given that everyone is nuts on this team, um, yep. and therefore everyone also looks like the best player, and everyone should be Rollstar, and probably everyone should be Will on be. an MVP or. Uh, yeah. rookie, rookie of the year ballots like just slot them in right and they probably take it at this point as well keep in mind like depending on when the nominations come in most of the matches that are in consideration for MVP have already been played by midseason um, yeah. at least historically feels like all of those guys should be front runners right like it's it's actually a, one of the most impressive seasons of a franchise yet yeah, I don't think anyone, any franchise, like we talk about the domination of like San Francisco Shock and like Vancouver Titans when they first came into the league and like they were dominant, but I think something big that you have to like go against more, actually more Shanghai Dragons in 2020, mm -hmm. was it 2021? Yeah, 2021. Yep. I think that's the closest thing that we would ever have uh, to mm -hmm. this level of dons because when the Shock and the Vancouver Titans were dominating, they had each other, right? Right. Yeah. To like, to like exactly. hold each other accountable. Shanghai Dragons, when we were playing that Wrecking Ball composition, Dallas Fuel were close, but towards the end, it wasn't close. While yeah. Atlanta Reign, that's their Houston. Like, Houston is close, and we saw that in the upper bracket final, you know, that 3-2 between Atlanta and Houston. But at the end of the day, Atlanta is the better team, and I think they're head and shoulders. The one thing that I'm excited about is to see if they can do it in another meta. You know, um, obviously, they have that trump card with Lip and the Sombra. If we move in a different direction... I think we can all agree they're still going to be one of the best teams, if not the best team. But where is the gap, right? Like, how mm. big is their margin to the rest of the teams? Yep. And I think it's probably a safe assumption, right? I won't speak for Yeska, but, you know, my opinion is that it's probably cool. It, it, it closes a little bit. Yep. But when you look at the pedigree of these players, when you look at Lip, it's like, you know, we've had him play Tracer in, this, in seasons in the past, and he's actually looked like an phenomenal tracer and we saw him a little bit at this event but again not something maybe he scrimmed a ton of you know you give him ample practice time ample preparation time he's gonna come out and look like gangbusters on we saw him last year on sombra we've seen him on tracer like he seems like he's got way more depth than i think people really let on where they just like kind of meet him and, and write him off as like the sojourn maybe a sombra player and like some two trick and it's just like that's not the case same thing with stalker where it's like yeah, this kid is like one of the best, if maybe not the best mechanical tracer we have in the league right now. But did you see him on Echo? Have you looked at his contenders performances in the past where like his Genji actually looks kind of good and like mm. like he's he's got some depth there. And then you've got Donghat coming in and looking phenomenal on Winston and but he's got a ball. It's like every every kind of like caveat that you want to throw at any of these players, they have like evidence to support that like they can probably transition really, really well. But to, to your point, Cus, it's like, okay, what does that look like? Like, where are we in the hierarchy of things? We could probably comfortably guess that you'll be at the top, but like, by what degree, you know? So, especially definitely. if we go into like a Ramatra May kind of sure. setup, like the meta sort of is pointing us in that direction. Like, mm. Brawl has always been the great equalizer in a lot of ways of like, it's very hard to have that massive level of domination and control over other teams when you're playing like a Brawl meta. 
Um, so that could shake them up. Like I, we know Stork mm -hmm. is a great May. I'm sure Hawk can play Ramatra. You know, Fielder can play whatever he wants. Same thing with Chio. So like, I'm sure they'll be just fine. But I think there's going to be a lot of teams that will come out of the woodwork to compete with these guys. I feel like Ryan would be even a bigger issue potentially. For yeah, them. Ryan's yeah, Ryan's like the 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 one that you hope you don't roll. But even then, it's like of all the tank heroes, like if we have like a what however many ten sided die, and you just have to like hope you don't roll one, you know, one in ten. Like those are some side. Those are great odds. Like. Yeah, it's yeah. a well-built team and then even yeah. and i kind of just wrote about this where it's like okay you know looking at the playoffs looking at like this new mode that's being added in flashpoint which we got some news about and we'll talk about and then to know that you know there probably will likely be this new support hero it's like yeah we have chio and fielder and fielder just got off an absolute mvp performance stunning the houston outlaws i think in every any possible turn but it's like we can't forget about vigilante. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. you yeah. can't miss, bro. Like every time you think like, oh no, no, we just get the Rhine and then we'll get him on Flashpoint and this new hero. It's like, okay, I guess there's vigilante now. Like, what, what do you do? This team's crazy. Like, it's nuts. By the way, can I be an insensitive asshole and ask maybe very insensitive question? <laughs> did he cry right, because great. he didn't have much playtime, or did he cry because he really loved winning that? He probably enjoyed the like he's you know hanging winning with the, the homies and winning yeah, the, the baby uh, participation yeah. the baby uh, participation trophy. <laughs> I'm an Overwatch League champion, guys. Okay, fuck it. <laughs> Carried his ring around. Uh, I don't know. Like I agree. Like I don't think it's because he didn't play. I, no. I really hope it isn't. Like because he played one map in the whole yeah. midseason madness playoffs, I think, and I think that was the one that they lost to the Houston Outlaws in the mm. series that we casted because he came in to be like that pocket Zen on New Queen Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know, like, you know, it always feels bad because like you are a part of the team and you you are like, you know, feel yeah. so like I hope it's not because of regrets and stuff like that. You could see it on Hawk's face and in his interview, right? Yeah. When he, he did that, was, he was like, I wish I won my map. This would feel a lot yeah. smoother if yeah. I got mine, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, no. It's, I a think little it's bittersweet, fair. especially like because I think like for a long time, if you think back, it always felt like it was a little bit like Hawk and Gator's team, right? And how oh, this yeah, for sure. team was ran. I think this is clearly not Hawk's team anymore, at least in this meta. Yeah. And that, like, it, it, it must feel different. I think, like, if you've been here three and a half years, you did just take that shit to the bank, though. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I got those checks. You're like, fuck it, why not? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I help. I helped us get here. Like, I was diva on those first couple weeks. Like, well, you know, we're yeah. mixing it up. They like, were playing I didn't maybe end, but well. yeah, whatever. Yeah, I know exactly. Um, so it's like, you know, I don't think anybody should be hanging their head low. And I, I think vigilante will get get a come up real soon. If I had, yeah, to, I don't if think I had to that bet. was it, right? I think yeah, that was also just like, you know, came from the Washington Gulag, and now I'm here. Um, yeah. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So no, fair always enough. remember where you came from. You know, you didn't <laughs> play, but you could, it could yep. be worse. You could be on Washington again. So <laughs> mm -hmm. that is so very true. I want to throw this your way, Custa, and I think that Yiska would agree. But I'll, I'll leave some room for some disagreements. Um, should we view the midseason madness as more of a major title? Should should that be almost like side by side with like the the world championship? Uh, I think is it? if you ask me about last year's format, yes. 
okay. because I think it was a marathon seven day event where teams went through this huge uh, double sided bracket, uh, sorry, double limb bracket. And mm. like we saw storylines, all the best teams were there. You can't argue that by any ways. And the meta was good, right? Mm-hmm. But this one, it was a three day event. <clears throat> we only had six teams. Yes, everyone qualified. It was probably the six best teams, but I don't know. It just, it felt so short. Like okay. it, it, I don't think you can hold it to the same standards as winning the playoffs at the end of the year, which I hope is a much bigger spec. You're chasing that shit so hard right now. I was about to say four-man playoffs (laughs) to APEC to NA. We're meeting at Costco. I don't know. I I have to hope. I have to believe it'll be good. I I mean, you know, we got the majority of the teams here. I would have to assume that, like, it should be, you know, at least a little bit bigger. Yeah. Longer. If we can get to like, I don't know, if we can get to like 10 or 12, in my opinion, I think that would make it, that would make it a spectacle. You do like, you almost do a 12 with like, you know, first round buy for the first, like top four teams. And then you have like the contenders, Eastern region contenders teams can qualify if they like deserve to qualify Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. I I, I think it'd be interesting because like, I think everybody can agree the midseason madness would have been better if we had one more APAC team and one more West team. Like if we had the gladiators come and we had a Guangzhou charge or dreamers, you know, dreamers deserve to be here or no two blast. Like that would have made the event that much longer and feel that much more special. And I don't think it would have added as much, like add one more day to the event. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I hear that. What did you guys think think about the, the uh, broadcast time? Was that optimal? Generally, I, I mean, like they probably the time optimize. It started? Yeah, they probably optimize based on like their viewership metrics and whatnot, and like also availability. But like, that was a roughie for Europeans once again. Oh yeah, I I always yeah. feel terrible like when when you have like a Western broadcast and some Europeans like it's four a.m. for me. It's like oh yeah, they started know how that feels, local. But yeah, yeah. I think it's been a consistent theme throughout the life of Overwatch League that Europeans don't really count in the generation yeah. of when we're doing things. Look, at least the first games usually set at nine local, right? True. Like, yeah, not three thirty. Like at least you can catch one. And especially like I, I felt I was like announcement Korea. Yes, those are like at ten a.m. in the morning. Mm-hmm. We're starting way earlier. No, like, <laughs> yeah. it was it was really rough. But um, yeah, no, I I think that's probably also. Are you really going to go to a venue, drink beverages, and Koreans drink a lot of alcohol at 10 a.m. in the morning and get yeah. like fired up there? It probably impacted the uh, the mood a little bit as well. I would imagine. Like it, it wasn't a Korean event with the way that it was run for that exact reason, mm-hmm. right? Like it yeah. started, the event started, the opening ceremony happened at 10 a.m. on a Friday, like. <laughs> Who has time to go to that? And it's the like kids it's are still also, in school. That's it. Like uh, people that you want to be there, family, everyone, yeah. they just have work. Like, you know, that's just the way it is. And the venue also wasn't in prime location. You know, Danny was saying it's yes. about a 40 minute train ride or way out to oh, yeah, of Seoul. So it's like it is a little bit out of the way. And that's so that all adds up. And that's why the crowd was so small mm. to begin with. So, you know, that's what you got to do if you're a Western primarily built league but it's like we're an international league that's built for the west which kind of feels weird to to be fair to not shit on the league too much the kintex where it it took place 
they also already hosted like LCK finals in that. So it's not like they just yeah. took oh, some. Oh no, it's fun not a outside. bad venue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Venue, right? Means, like yeah, it, yeah. it very much has a history of hosting esports as well, events as well. I think it's mostly the time zone, not necessarily the location as yeah. much. Um, that that happens. It's also like realistically at 10 a.m. You're getting probably like a couple of students. I remember like in the Apex era. Do you remember when they held up the they like they held up the fan art, not primarily just to show their support, but also to hide their faces. Yeah, yeah. As yeah, like yeah. I can't. Yeah, I'm supposed to be in school. Please don't. Please don't come for me. And also, don't, don't, I, I don't want it to be twisted. Like I I think this was the best decision that the league could yes. do to do it at this time. If we did it. At, let's say we started at noon or 1 p.m. Korean time. That starts at you know midnight Ungodly Eastern time. Hours, the yeah. the viewership on the YouTube would have been awful, which yeah, yeah and everything would have been poor. Mm. So it is the best of a bad situation, I think, 100%. when you do these kind of global leagues. What? What's not like a, a a super supreme you know ideal situation, but yeah, it's probably best to again the metrics. I think here yeah, the, the I guess we can weigh up the utility. Okay. And I think it's fair to say that we probably have a little bit of le less resources this year than we had even last year or the year before. Mm -hmm. But sure. this, of course, has to be weighed against our Hawaii options, right? So yeah. Yeah. do you rather have this and only one tournament in the middle or would you rather have had Hawaii and then three tournaments again? I... I guess my answer is uh, is is just going to be the classic like Reddit or Twitter answer. It's like, why don't we just have more tournaments overall? And, like <laughs> everything is golden and great. Um, because like I think realistically, if I'm being honest, it's hard to come up with an answer for either of those two options. Because I think if we're trying to be a global, you mm. know, t big esport, you need to do more than both of those options. In my opinion, I think like you know we were talking about this. Um, I was talking about this on stream. If, if you had two major tournaments like this and then the playoffs, I think that would be enough. Like you had two yeah. midseason madnesses and then you had a playoff at the very end and then you lined all that up with the seasons. I think that would be enough. And I think people would be happy. And that's a great place <laughs> to go from. It's also not great that as soon as that those games finished, I'm directly jumping over to Valorant. And now I my like my my frontal lobe is still still has the imagery of the uh, Overwatch stream up, and now I'm contrasting against Valorant. It's not a yeah. not a comparison you want to set yourself up for, right? Like we're not gonna win against Valorant, <laughs> no, right? Like no, sadly uh, not. I went to their uh, the open for that uh, for VCT oh, okay. Japan because uh, I did my honeymoon out in Japan, so we went mm. to the first day, and like they just. The, the realistic thing is they just have more money and like yeah, they yeah. are they, they are where we were you know back in 2018 2019 yes, when we yes. were like we can do anything we can create these awesome things we can do these big events and you know they're going through that right now and it's awesome to see and like as much as i'm jealous i just love to see esports doing well yes, i love watching vct japan mm -hmm. like they, tokyo they've been doing a phenomenal job i love watching like the production quality everything that they do so you know it's awesome to see but i agree then you then we go do our jobs at overwatch league and you're like oh man this yeah. feels kind of bad at times yeah look the the way and i don't want to talk too much about valorant uh, because a lot of people probably can't really you know connect with that but there was a team in valorant edg who were mm. a chinese orc that game hasn't mm. been has been out just for a year and they have a really cool storyline and got super far, way further than anyone thought. 
And then、mm. they also had like this star player kid that's just a straight baller and just like pulled all kinds of showmanship on the stage. But the vibe, also in 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 all that production and whatnot, it actually reminded me a little bit of Chengdu Hunters.、Um, mm, yeah, right. Like just this Chinese like team that you know people under、uh, underrate. Of course, Chengdu Hunters in season two also not super successful. But they、no. did something different, and that's what EDG did as well, right? Like they、um, were re-、uh, really in,、uh, innovative on strategy, and also like had way higher kill share from that kid just popping up on the、mm-hmm. operator and whatnot. They just really like put me into that mood again,、uh, and once again that contrast <laughs> this week. I'm whiplashing the entire week, basically, right? Like, so yeah, no, but. I agree. Like it's it's great to, especially in this moment in time, to see esports do well. As as as、yeah. weird as that sounds, but like the announcement that they got Mastercard、uh, as a sponsor on board、mm-hmm. also like made me happy because at least someone's putting money here. You know? Yeah. Um. Hundred percent. So yeah, maybe maybe we're we're probably not past the worst in terms of like layoffs and whatnot in the industry. But maybe we're you know looking upwards and、um, yeah I mean as Overwatch we're probably going to have to deal with a little bit it's going to probably become a little bit worse until it gets better but、um. probably but like the the idea there at least what I'm kind of parsing through that is that like rising tide lifts all boats right like if we're going to talk about like the esports winter yes it sucks a little less when we get like. That that extra meal from Mastercard, and we see that like people are you know still eager to at least invest something, right? And that's great to hear, even in our neck of the woods, where yeah, it's it's tough, right? Like it's I don't think we're mincing words when it's like yeah, we're gonna have to figure out what the end of the year looks like, and you know what else happens. Obviously, you know you reported and it was you know announced publicly that the Chengdu Hunters obviously exiting the league, and that's uh. Breaks my heart a little bit, but you know what can you do? It's is business,、yeah. as、uh, as they say. So it's you know what are you gonna I, do? I'm I'm looking at this whole thing with a more of a glass half full because for me, as someone who was heavily able to enjoy the glory years of what this format was, right in 2018, sure, 2019,、yeah. that was the good time. But I think over the last few years that we've all realized that what we're currently doing doesn't. Work right,、mm. like it, it. You know this global model and what they tried to do with this franchising doesn't work. I'm hoping that you know the changes with you know the Toronto、um, collective bargaining deal that ended up coming through, where they、uh, forgave a bunch of the fees, and then you know Chengdu Hunter stepping down. Looks like Gladiators are on the way out with the the、yep. guard and Kroki money coming out. Like I'm hoping that this can lead to a reset in Overwatch esports to something that's more sustainable and something that's more. Built for Overwatch and the community that it wants to be, and I think as much as as you said, there's going to be a shrinking. Everyone's probably it's going to be a dark winter, but hopefully leads to something better in the long term. I will say, here's my silver lining. I maybe that's me like just being pessimistic generally, but I feel <laughs> like over the last couple of weeks, I learned that less teams want out than I initially assumed. Really, and. I th- I feel like a little bit the like if you were to go out, did you do anything with your roster at this point? Probably not. 
Probably not. What do you right. have, have to gain? You go cynically, them. you know, you approach it as just another expenditure on the books, and you're like, oh, yeah, great, yeah. I mean, another, you know, those X amount that, that the are drink. not doing anything, yeah, that signals to me you're yes. proud, right? Yeah. Now, those that do, why would you do that? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that that has been interesting. At least that's my inference from their moves. Otherwise, like, I don't... What are you going to do? Like, there's probably not... Like... Maybe you want to keep the franchise value if there's even any or slots left or we don't know anything what's happening. But they, yeah, like it takes a lot of creative reasoning to come up with a scenario where it makes sense to reinvest in your team unless you want to stick around. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I think uh, that's that's sort of the, the way going forward, even though I have no clear vision of what that might entail. Really don't. Mm. And, um, the, yeah, the bottom line in terms of um, the hunters, the messaging was a little weird here, right? Like, it felt like there was still the door being held open for them to come At back. At least initially. But yeah. the initial announcement that, like, they weren't going to be a part of, like, the initial half of the season, it, it was very clear, like, hey, we're going to leave the door open. We'll see. But, like... I don't know, call me cynical, but I was like, yeah, no, they're not coming back. <laughs> like, it's it's dead boys. Yeah. They're like, the thing about it is it's not even like Chengdu Hunters. The reason where it's so easy to be cynical and just never expect them to come back is like, they're just, yeah. just their parent company is just... Yeah, they're just poor. In the, in the, to in the, in the drain. Like, they, yeah. I don't know if they're officially bankrupt or anything, but like, the reason... The only reason they bought him is because they had so much money to spend, right? Mm. And then as soon as that dries up, all of a sudden you can't justify yeah. paying this Overwatch League spot, doing everything to do with that. So, you know, it's sad to see the Chengdu Hunters go. As mm -hmm. you said, they were a very unique team in the league that created a lot of great memories. Um, but, you know, yeah. you know, one of those dominoes that everyone expected to fall. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so, do unfortunately, in the winter, that is... Mm. You played them, right? Yeah, I played against Chengdu Hunters. It's scary as shit to play against um, <laughs> because uh, I we played them in 2019, right? And mm. uh, this was when they were playing Wrecking Ball yeah. to beat goats. And I'll never forget one of our matches going into it against them because you get the starting lineup like 30 minutes before. And we were sure. kind of nervous because you don't... It's like the the Shanghai 2019. It's like you don't know how to practice. You can't practice against Wrecking Ball to yeah. counter goats. And it can work if you don't deal with it correctly. So we were nervous going up against them. And then uh, we got the early roster and they were playing uh, Karyan, who was their their Reinhardt player in goats. Mm -hmm. And we're like, oh, they're going to play goats against. Oh, thank God. We're just going to beat them easily. That's, that's great because they're not like they were a Wrecking Ball team who couldn't play goats. Yeah. And so like it's funny when you have these kind of teams like that who are just... Every now and then they'll throw a curveball at you and you have to just like work that out. Um, so that that was what made them special. They did it with the Wrecking Ball. They did it with the Jinmu Pharaoh. So it's true. Did, did you even scrim them at the time or was it just like, ah, oh, that's a waste of time? Well, we I, the reason we were so nervous going into that match is we scrimmed them a couple of weeks earlier um, because, you know, you need to. And they were playing Wrecking Ball and we I, it was a pretty even scrim of them playing the wrecking ball but after we played them we we're like well we're never scrimming them again because that's like it's just not effective practice no, against course. anyone else that's the, you know the, you, people have talked about it in the past yeah, of like scrim yeah. metas and who scrims who the reason these teams struggle to get scrims is because it's just not effective practice for anyone else to play against that and you're not going to play that team in scrims 
with the anticipation that you're going to play them in a match in a month because mm-hmm. so many things can change between here and then. Yeah. It's more it's more like it, it's better use of your time to, you know, scrim the other teams that are running what everybody else is running except the weird, you know, random sheepish team that wants to run Torben. Yeah. All unfair. All that weird yeah. stuff, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, it, it's always interesting to hear you know those stories come out where it's just like oh yeah this team's getting blacklisted by this team because they're running Brian Hard crazy man yeah yeah exactly right like it's it's not always that deep like some people are always yeah. like oh they're not doing this because of this and then this is like yeah, it's not always like, that deep maybe they no. just don't want to scrim them because like yeah. it's also frustrating to scrim sure. against a team who does that like it feels like you're wasting time and especially if you start losing to it you're like. Well, why are we Oof. losing to this? Like, yes. you're just, you're hurting team morale, you're hurting the frustrations, mm-hmm. and you're never really going to face this again. So, yep. that's the point. Why are we even here? Yeah. And then your DPS quits the lobby, and then you have to hold the team meeting. It's just like, come on, guys. That's one of my favorite things about like fan sentiment looking into scrims. Like, sure. I feel like a lot of these people forget that there's a lot of like 18 to 21 yep, yep, year old yep. egos mm-hmm. in, in these kind of things. Mm-hmm. And like, Players don't always show up and be the best professionals no. all the time. Like maybe it's gotten better since I've left. I I'm doubt sure. It. I At least doubt a little it. bit. Because these are kids that like just they haven't. They, like it, these kids tilt. These you know everyone gets mm-hmm. frustrated. Everyone deals with it in different ways. Some people blow up. Some people get really quiet. Some people rage out of the lobby. Right. Like yep. it's happened throughout the history of time. Yeah. It's not just us. As much as you know, hello, new esports fans, welcome to Overwatch. But you know, a lot of people just quit scrims and. All games, I promise. I promise that everybody is, uh, as much as everybody is uh, winning 100% of their scrims all the time, they're also leaving their scrims 100% of the time. So it's not not just our grass. Let's let's keep it, let's get it straight. Um, so yes, Chengdu, sad to see him go. Another knock-on effect to, to tack on with Chengdu, it's just one less, you know, home for Chinese players. Obviously, yeah, they can't really have a home because Overwatch is like unplayable there still. For my knowledge, yeah. which is so hopefully getting like, fixed in ideally, the future, right? Like you have to, to, you have to imagine that there is going to be some reparation there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's just some crazy amount of hopium coming from my direction, <laughs> but like, there's no way that Blizzard just doesn't run within China for yeah. ever, right? Yeah, I think for at least from my very, very loose understanding, um, I think it's about like finding a distributor having that go through government checks and balances and then getting that on the books, which apparently takes like some considerable time. Cause obviously, you know, uh, a, a loose comparison, obviously Valorant, you know, took forever to, for Valorant to finally get to, you know, mainland China just coming out now, right? Like, exactly. It's been out right. since 28, uh, 2020. So mm-hmm. like. yeah, it, it took a while for that to kind of get online. So uh, yeah, I, I'm sure it has to be repaired. Obviously, you know, the population that plays overwatch that plays any kind of blizzard title is ginormous in, in China. So it's, they got, you know, they're, they're going to want to get that money, so they're going to have to figure out something eventually. It's just going to take a little bit of time. Um, but yeah, one less one less home for Chinese talent, at least as it stands today. Um, that could change in the future. We don't know. You know, Valiant exists and they've done weirder things. They could things. always go back to China. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen weirder things in this esports, so who knows? Who knows? Um, so that kind of sucks, especially when you have you know some talent. Uh, some of the, the more memorable talent like Ameng and Jinmu like you said you know coming up and just just being real fan favorites because they're just kind of kind of goofy as much as I've always been like oh you know Chengdu Hunters they can't escape the goofy 
crazy meta team you know what are they gonna do yeah zone but you know it's true like we watch them because they're fun they just kind of do dumb shit yeah to be fair like um, <clears throat> i wrote a piece today just like you know an obituary of the Chengdu hunters i feel like mm-hmm. what the actual thing that people fell in love with was probably just mostly their season two performance yeah because like it really felt like season four and season two Chengdu Hunters are very different teams, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, they're still playing the ball, but it's very different when you're playing the meta comp, right? You're not the cool yep. outsider that like goes against the grain and tries to you know snipe some weak, uh, victories off of weaker teams, but you're actually trying to win grand finals because weirdly this you know kid that was pudgy in high school grew <laughs> up you know also really like yo-yos ball and then like it just okay. randomly Analogy. becomes cool to play that right wait what yeah. what joe ball <laughs> yo-yo is that not like <laughs> i mean it, it fits but I, it was just not something that you expect you're just like yeah we're talking about this glow up of this team and they like yo-yos and i'm like yeah. <laughs> yo all right this, i mean i get the parallel direction yeah just imagine like the you know the loner kid that's just like in, in part, some part of the school yard just playing yo-yo yeah. and suddenly it breaks out and he's like oh my god i practiced all my life for this and then you know it's it's just that that felt felt very different. Also, I mean, Leaf joining the Source guys is transformational, right? Like, um, yeah, I mean, that was kind of the prince that was promised, right? Like that was the kid that was kind of the come up. I think everybody kind of got the first, the globe got the first glimpse of him at you know the World Cup, you know, doing big things with Team China, and you know, it's like, all right, well, where are you gonna go? Are you gonna go to like Team China's team? Chengdu hunters are going to go to like some of these, you know, big paying jobs and it felt right. And, you know, obviously didn't start his rookie debut. Wasn't fantastic. It was a little lackluster, but obviously came out. I think what was that? 2021. Yeah, I think so. Right. Um, looks fantastic. Obviously. Right? Was it 2020? I think so. Do you want MVP? Uh, no, leave 2020. Leave one MVP in 2021. Okay. Yes. But he debuted and he debuted in 2020. It was not great. Yeah, because we were super hype on him from 2019 yes. World Cup, remember? Yes. And we were yes. like, when he makes it to the league, he's going to be insane. And then I think kind was of was really bad in 2020. They, they were, were horrible, but they were not great. And this yeah. kid he wasn't also, also been. Yeah, he just came back from PUBG, if you remember. Um, True. Oh, yes, it was oh, a year off. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yep. So good old my. That but kid yeah. also has just. My God, develop a better taste to join viable esports, mate. Like Jesus, <laughs> from wood chipper to wood chipper. Jesus, what are you gonna do? Well, you know. Speaking of, obviously, Spark doing well. Leave still looking solid. Was that you know from the broadcast end? You know, take us into that you know moment where it's like, all right, Florida Spark. This yeah. should be kind of one-sided, and it just wasn't. Was that really catching off you guys off guard, or what was going on there? Well, it's interesting because this is really when, like, the full narrative of, like, is a, like, you know, we got Avril on one mm-hmm. side yelling at people, like, Apex <laughs> super sick, yeah, you yeah, guys yeah. don't even know. And then everyone's like, I don't think they're that good. And then it's like, it's going back and forth. And sure. then, like, Spark won. 
and everyone, and, you know, you can see like all the APAC, you know, bros like pumping their fists, like we did it. We're going to, we're going to do something in this mid-season madness. And little did they know that was the only win they were going to get in that yeah. whole tournament. Right. And like, I don't know, Spark are a good team. I think it was interesting because we always attributed a lot of their weird stuff to, you know, Changoon and we called mm-hmm. it the Changoon effect. But sure. I think at the end of the day, there's just, their level of coordination just isn't as high as yeah. like the top end teams, even though they have the mechanics to be able to pull it off. Um, their coordination isn't that high. And I think one of the primary reasons that you saw the spark actually get over the Florida mayhem in that series was because Monk and Lynx had a really good game. Mm. And I think that was something that a lot of people were looking at as, is this the pain point of the spark? Because we know how great the other three players are. We know how effective their dive is going to be. But if Monk and Lynx can play this well throughout the midseason madness, how good are they going to be? Um, but just like that one win, that was the last time that we really saw Monk and Lynx be able to hold their own against some of the top tier dives. Um, and yeah, it, I don't know. Spark could just... I, I, we, were, we were all hoping that we'd see Shy and Leave just come into the league and dominate. Yeah. Maybe we'll see that if the meta shifts into a more, uh, I would say mechanically intensive meta for the gps players less because you obviously we have a tracer but sombra is more it's about effective dives about coordination it's about teamwork and i don't think that's where the spark are at their strongest so you know i feel like they haven't lived up to their potential i had them at third i think in my power rankings second in my power rankings for Mm. this year and they're just nowhere close to that yet Mm. yeah they're a punchy team they like you said they've got it they've got mechanics for days um and to you know kind of underline that point about like monk and Lynxa where it's like i think it's a kind of a a little bit of a a, a bad memory of remembering like their head-to-head with the infernal i think week one week two somewhere in there um where it's like yeah i don't know about this Lynxa guy on the brig like seen him in the past like lucio's okay like he's all right but this brig's a little a little rough and yeah they, everybody looked quite quite fantastic in that that florida head-to-head um and kind of you know circles back to what you were talking about previously where it's like yeah florida not you know if you are gonna you know beat up on a team it's probably gonna be the team that also doesn't want to play the dive all the time they want to get yeah. away from the sombra they want to put merit on you know some comfort picks so makes sense also, makes sense also like real talk they, like this tournament also drove home that Ray probably picked the wrong backline to choose. If you have Carte Blanche and you mm. can't pick all of China, then yeah. I'm pe- ta- taking the charge backline. Just plug and play that yeah. shit in. Like, Leaf was playing out of his mind. He's, like, once again, like, one of the best uh, players in the world. I think, like, that team could could have way more potential if you got that backline instead. Like, Veltal, yes, I understand why you probably don't bring him along uh, depending on, like, what the interpersonal relationship was like in the past that w- pretty publicly blew up but uh i don't know like if if shock can't can run it back bring Sp- striker in and like yeah. wouldn't like you can bring it back and become the strongest team in apac it feels like yeah i i, I feel like i don't know how i feel about i think farway and monk are pretty equivalent but i agree i think yeah. xerneas overall uh has shown that he is just the better main support he's yeah. been in bigger games he's had that match and as you said uh yiska like Obviously, there's that relationship, which they said this year that like it isn't, you know, they, they're on good terms. It's not yeah. a big deal. Like it doesn't need to be blown out. But if you have an option between two main support players and one you've had a history with that yeah. wasn't always positive, regardless, if you've buried that hatchet, you're going to go with the other guy, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like you're going to go with someone that you think is going to be 
you know, a sure thing in a way. And Langsa has a good history and he yeah, is a good player. But the question that, you know, is starting to come up now is can Linksa be a championship player? Can he yeah. hang with the big boys? And it feels like not always. And that's a problem that they're running into. It is. It definitely, if there is a weak point, and again, when you list out a, a list of players, like one of them has to be, you know, the worst on the team, as much as maybe everybody's great. Um, you know, somebody kind of has to be maybe the bench rider, or, you know, just a a pain point, let's say, use that. Um, but I, I not, and this isn't to say that we are dogpiling him, but to avoid the, the, the Timmy's dogpiling, I think to take something that you said, Custa, it does feel like the teamwork just yeah. really isn't there. And that was something that we saw in a lot of their qualifying matches. You go, you know, I brought up the infernal head to head that they played. Gusha's constantly purpled. And that's something that we saw, I think, quite exemplified in the final and leading up to it. I thought Fielder was just. And I mean, to be fair, Boston was also Twilight doing big things with with Anna like the level of performance that you have to have in every position everybody's on their marks everybody's doing exactly what they need to do and adapting to like just the tiny tiniest resource shifting um it, it just isn't there for the spark and i think like that's if there's a bigger picture problem it's that and like you said if we do shift to something maybe more hit scan centric or something that these dps can just really flex on everybody that's when you're going to see them shine. It's it's really not always the, the the teamwork aspect. It doesn't seem like like you said. It's not it's not there just yet. I also think this is a, a with the public. You know, as you said, dogpiling. When we're saying Linksa can't hang, we're not saying he's a trash player. Yeah, yeah. Like there's a, there's a, yeah. There, there's. I feel like people think it's you know very black or white, like polarizing mm -hmm. of should this guy be in the league or shouldn't this guy be in the league. It's like. No, there's a there's many tiers within the league of yes. like how good is a player. Like Linksa, a hundred percent deserves to be in this league. He's mm -hmm. he's probably middle of the pack in terms of main supports yeah. within the league. But that's not gonna cut it when we're talking about the nitty gritty at the top end. And yeah. I think that's that's where we're really trying to highlight. A hundred percent. Also, like, we, is like you said, great. championship aspirations. Zonius is just great in comparison, right? Yes, he like, he's, he's fantastic. Probably top five. I would say I I have him on my mount like mount, my main support Mount Rushmore. I think he's an absolute behemoth. I think he's fantastic. Yeah, I don't know if I'd put him on my Rushmore. Um, I'm currently in the in the in the league right now, especially main support's been uh, it's funnily enough like a very exposed role this year because mm -hmm. I think of how important that Brig is in this meta. I think it's really shown like the difference between some of these players. Um, so. Yeah, I, I think he's definitely up there because he's a, he's a known quantity. And that's, yeah. I think, Xerneas's biggest strength is he's been there, he's played in big games, and he's uh, performed in those big games. He's a monster. Stats in the past, like you said, performing well with Chengdu. God rest him. Um, but yeah, no, I have to have to wonder what, the, what that decision was like with Ray and the Spark, what that looked like. Um... Did you expect this, the Infernal to do a little bit better, Custa? Was that were we were we so down on APAC that it was like, yeah, pack it up, like they're not getting maps? Or if you had to pick, do you think the Spark overperformed and the Soul Infernal underperformed? Like, if you had think, to pick one, I, I think 
Soul Infernal definitely underperformed. I think they okay. are right in this meta. I believe that they were a better team than the Hongjo Spark. Like yep. I, I think with their recent performances, you know, I I was a doubter of Soul Infernal heading into this season, mm-hmm. but you know, and I think I it, it took a long way for me to come back after they lost to the Soul Dynasty in the first match. Yeah, like I was like, this is the issues I expected mm-hmm. from the Soul Infernal, right? But then over time, they sort of brought my trust back up. I was getting closer and closer. And I, I, I believe in this team and they are a great team. Mag's proving to be a great player. Skewed, mm-hmm. as you said, you guys have been saying, putting up MVP performances. Uh, just like the Spark, I think Soul Infernal run into an issue of if their players aren't able to just out mechanic and just pop off at the same level, I don't think their coordination is there. And I think yeah. Zest and MN3 got exposed when they were going up against equivalent level of players. They weren't able to get into the backline, do as much, you know, they just, they just weren't able to perform in the way that they have in APAC. So yep. they're, they're a great team, but I would have liked to have seen them take a match. I think they should beat, you know, a Florida mayhem or a Boston uprising. Mm-hmm. And I think they'll be kicking themselves that they didn't. Yep. I think if we, you know, we simulated a few different times, I, I, I think there's quite a few, you know, Dr. Strange universes where, you know, Infernal probably are look very competitive with yep. those, those mid mid tier, I, I not mid tier like the you know Boston Florida so that's mm. a better way to put it very competitive I'd say yeah I, bad day at the office it feels like I actually talked to someone in an interview beforehand and he said like he watches a lot of APAC and he felt mm. like in- Infernal were the only team that gets some of the details right on these comps mm. and like I I believe that also the Infernal like, honestly this is also not just just not their greatest meta that they could hit right like you want an yeah. MN three on hard hit scan heroes right like you want to zest arguably like on some genji stuff or something right like that's that's where like <clears throat> this team has peak performance Matt can play whatever i think the back line is also pretty good i think it is kind of weird that you gotta pull skewed off the brig right like yeah <laughs> because of how yeah. things fell but um yeah I, I mean this is a small roster like there's only so much you can do in in order of flexibility it's very different having five players than having seven you know like atlanta mm-hmm. so um yeah i think i personally i i just like i way over hopiums i had them winning the first match uh against yeah. houston um well, just because of that one, like yeah but yeah I, I felt like if they can really get like quality scrim time in and then also they presumably and correctly would have assumed to meet Houston in their first match. Yeah. You just don't scrim them much, right? Like, yeah. And then hopefully you can, can find some value there. Unfortunately, blow out, right? Like, yeah. I, like, I also locked in before I received my scrim bucks and immediately, you know, mm-hmm. went like, ooh, n- really? Like in a miss. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then, yeah. I mean, fair enough. Uh, once again, it- I, I think like hardware is there, software. Yeah needs updates i think if they go to a meta where mn3 and zest can play their own game i feel like that team is going to struggle anytime you need that fully coordinated dive i'm not saying they're bad at it but i just think that's there's going to be a limitation if you can let zest just play his own game on like trace or genji and then mn3 is able to sit back and like play hits again that's when they're going to be at their best and Mm. i think that is where you'll see soul infernal really start to like punch upwards but Mm. With this level of coordination, M and three having to be on the Sombra, I just don't, I don't see it um, yes. right now. Yeah, that, yep. it feels like the antithetical hero to M and three. What I think yeah, of yeah. M and three, oh, right? Yeah. Like, great. 
This kid is just a walking aimbot. Like on his best day, he <laughs> just has 10 10 mechanics, right? Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, this is. But, but fair enough. Like, you can, you can only do so much with what you're dealt. Of course, I th also think like they could have played a little bit but more of their style. But also, Houston Outlaws, just great team, right? Like, it, it, it's kind of nuts to think of the Houston Outlaws. Like, if the Atlanta Rain would just like wipe from this universe then mm -hmm. like you'd think oh my god this is the super team like no yeah. nothing like this has ever been assembled they're just stomping their way through right so yeah yeah there's there's so many like parallels in like even traditional sports i have to imagine that this you know fits as well um where it's like if only you were born in a different time that you would be it, it, you know one of the best, if not like the a world champion, but because you have to face an absolute freak of nature, super team accidentally built, you know, it, you just have to play second fiddle because this team is, you know, taking the, the reins right now. It's well, it's happening in the NBA right now. Like I, okay. you know, like I think you're if you're the Miami Heat and you're Jimmy Butler, this was your best chance probably of winning a ring, right? Like obviously mm. they've made it, you know, made it deep, but like. There's the fucking Nuggets right now and yeah. Nikola Djokic, which are just like so far above everyone else, it feels like. So, yep. you know, it, it happens in all games, you know, and yep. when you peak batters, right? Like, I'm sure there's a lot of people who wish they could have played during my era of, you know, Overwatch, right? Where <laughs> sure. everything was a lot less solved. It was, you know, a lot of a lot of room to grow for a lot of people, mm -hmm. right? Um, but you don't get away with that anymore, right? Like the, yep. the level of competition is at such a ridiculous level that... Um, you know, it's it's hard when you have a team like the Houston Outlaws forming and they're not the best team in the world. You're like, what? Like if you yeah. told if you told people this team came together in 2021, like they'd be like, oh, the league's over. Like they're not even yeah, gonna yeah. no one's going to compete yet. Yeah. Atlanta reigns here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In the Winston meta? What? They didn't yeah. win? Yeah. yeah. In the Winston <laughs> meta, right? Like, yeah. Ridiculous. Of all of all the times. And, and I mean, a lot of the I feel like a lot of the same parallels that we're talking about. Um, with the infernal i think we can also loosely apply the maybe nitpicking but loosely apply to the outlaws where it's like yeah it's a winston meta it's fantastic they're probably the only team to kind of have an inkling of that same kind of coordination that the atlanta rain i felt like since the pro-am was flexing on people not as cleanly but like you you had those moments where it was like damn that was a crispy setup everybody's just on the same page it feels effortless like it, they just delete the people once the trigger's pulled um, in Houston, probably the only team to do it. But there again, it's like, and I've been, I've had my opinion changed unhappy. Don't get me wrong. Um, but it's like, yeah, I can't shake the feeling. If we had like a hit scan meta, everything else maybe stays the same. And you put happy on like a sojourner, like, a, you know, Cassidy, a Widowmaker. It's like, yeah, maybe this is different. Maybe this, you know, maybe he can flex a little bit. Cause it felt like at times, especially in the final, like he wanted to make that hero play. He wanted to kind of go off and like there was one on Esperanza that I because I watched it this morning. Um, like he's he's trying to like pressure, he's trying to pressure uh, Donghack and he just like burns recall for like no reason. Doesn't get a lot done and then he can't necessarily follow up on a play because he doesn't have any resources. And it's like ugh, like it they're they're so close and it's just like one or two things off. But then you look at Atlanta's roster and it's like shit. He still played like really good doing that. He final, didn't play right? poorly. I still, I don't know. I, I, I have for, like very mixed feelings on like what their DPS lineup for had their role. Yes, that's also true. 
yeah. that's a little weird right like it it was weird but it okay not to get like too nitty-gritty but it felt like junk wanted the it felt like he wanted the tracer throughout like the entire event to be the one to flex where it's like okay like maybe we want to play Peli on echo so we'll put him on tracer and he can kind of do his thing and happy will play somber but on like the hit scan maps we want happy on tracer so that he can switch if he wants to and he can play hit scan or whatever and like those last couple of games it's like we're not doing a whole lot of switching so like what's going on it's not like they're playing bad again like this isn't a bad thing but when you're pairing off against the best team in the world by a long shot yeah. like it just i don't know it was it was a little confusing I, I, at least i see something there but it didn't get leveraged which is odd but i think you uh, saw the leveraging in the in the alpha finals when houston yes, like yes. you really saw like happy came alive like happy was a big probably one of the best players on the outlaws in that series mm. just he hit very timely pulse bombs yeah. it's pretty much the only way that you can dispatch of you know the backline of the atlanta rangers if you're sticking sure. them consistently and i think that's why the outlaws were so close right like you know outlaws had that full hold on atlanta rain on blizzard world Mm. And the only reason that actually happened is because Happy had a 2K pulse bomb when yeah. their backs were against the wall, right? Like that series could look very one-sided. Like we saw what happens when the entirety of Blizzard World gets played out in the grand finals, right? Mm -hmm. So Houston proved that they could match Atlanta Reign. But as you said, it felt like they had to be peaking at the right times. The players yeah. all had to be making the right decisions at the right time where I feel like you know, the Atlanta rain mean is just higher across the yeah. board. So I think Houston can beat Atlanta, but it's like two out of 10 times, three out mm -hmm. of 10 times, maybe, right? Like that, I think it's going to be very few and far between because Atlanta just is that just slightly roll. better in every single role. You got to, you got to hit them with a crit, you know, yeah. you got to just gamble the right way. You just got to hope and pray that you just show up on a good day and happy can just hit two K's and just play gangbusters against, you know, a tough team uh any final thoughts there because i want to throw another one at you guys about this final that i think i think the broadcast definitely picked up on but i'm i'm interested to see a little bit more of a long form take yes any any final points regarding at least just a general outlaws look mm, i'm i'm a little concerned for their future uh chances okay. like if if this like not not to be too overly critical of that but like their hard carry performances their superstar player carries on winston fearless is good on other picks that he's shown he's not that hard carry on everything else right right so to not win here yes you could have mm. hit a better dps meta is a problem and i will also say and that's probably not a backline gap. I don't think that's true. But Interesting. Okay. They the way the ability of that Atlanta backline, and that's more like a system thing. It's not necessarily only down to the players. But sure. especially to stay alive during old pressure was just superior. Mm. Just straight up superior. Like Shu did just didn't look like Shu in that series. Right, yeah. like you know, the playmaking, like sleep the tracer, discharge the situation type of play, rarely happened in this final series, right? And I think Dong Hack got away with a lot for a rookie, right? Yes, yeah. yes, he got a lot of. That was that was what that was kind of like where I was headed with this, anyways. Where it was like you know, 
the fearless question where it's like, okay, it was very clear that this kid was getting hated on. He was getting bullied. He was getting hoodwinked and thrown in lockers. Like he just had everything thrown at him dying first constantly. And it's not like, you know, Oh, fearless is a bad player. All of a sudden, no, 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 no. Like this is very tailored from Atlanta. They're trying to pressure him out. They're getting him purpled constantly burning the shield fielders playing out of his gourd, hitting sleeps. And it's like, okay, if it's, if it's not like a bad day at the office for Fearless, which it, yeah, I guess maybe a little column A, column B could be. Um, is it just more of a support gap? Is, you know, where where does the buck stop with that head-to-head? Because it was very clear in that grand final. The upper bracket was a much closer. I have to give credit there. Um, but that grand final was a little taken a task, let's say, for the outlaws. Where it, it like you said, Chu just wasn't there. So where where do we think... What fell apart for Outlaws? Was it more so that Atlanta were playing to kind of focus on Fearless so that, you know, Shu didn't have a ton of opportunity to kind of make plays unless he went on like a weird flank, which puts him at risk? You know, like where where does the buck stop for them? Uh, I think for me, uh, a classic misconception is people are like, oh, backline diff or, you know, Winston yeah. diff. But yes, yes. W- when you say Winston diff, the Winstons don't really interact with each other. No. So it's kind of like, that's not really how it works. So I would say it's it's a bit of column A and column B. I think mm. Fearless, he went aggressive and he he went for the back line of the Atlanta Reign, which he has to do because right. if you leave them be, they will just take over the game, right? Yes. So mm-hmm. he has to go aggressive. So I think Fearless diff, uh, sorry, Fielder diffed Fearless. I think he yes. was hitting the sleeps. He was baiting him in, but Fearless needs to do that. He needs to do his job. Maybe he could have played better. He could have, you know, played around his bubbles. But if you've watched Fearless play before, he doesn't make many mistakes. So I would almost assume that it's almost a fielder thing. Remember, there's a lot of experience between those things. Fielder yeah. might understand how to play around Fearless Winston a lot better because as an Anna, you heal Winston a lot. So mm-hmm. it's like you understand the the tendencies of that player. So that absolutely could be something. While on the other hand, I think Donghak played very well against a player that we consider to be the best Anna in the world. Yeah. Right. A lot of people consider that of like Shu just didn't hit that many sleeps. Donghak was able to play his game. That could be a result of Donghak f- not feeling like he has to do as much as Fearless and just mm-hmm. playing to be disruptive and just you know playing a little bit. It's hard to really know unless you watch from all perspectives and understand, yeah. which I just have not done. You know, because we don't really have as much sure, access to the replay course. viewer, right? So it's hard to really know the answer to that question, but. I think it's a bit of both columns and I don't mm-hmm. think you can just put lay blame on the back line or the front line or the Winstons and that kind of stuff. I think Atlanta yep. played well. Outlaws didn't play. Well, I'm not even gonna say that he played badly. They didn't have the answers to Atlanta. No, not at all. And I think there were moments because I agree. I think it's it's you are being disingenuous if you just go, oh, yeah, fearless had a bad game or God forbid you're one of the weird people who are like, oh, Fearless actually was terrible and he's always been bad. It's actually everybody else that's been carrying. It's like, I think Fearless has been overrated this whole time. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Of course, the hindsight Andy has just come out of the woodwork. Um, The Winston one trick meme, I can only imagine, is is just rife um, in in the stroking galleries. Uh, But it, like you said, Winston... Winston's don't necessarily interact, like you said. They they kind of like walk past each other for the most part. It's it's a lot of down to like the Ana head to head, where you know you've got a bubble earlier or later, depending on who it is, how they play. There were a couple times where Atlanta felt 
a little reactionary to Houston's like tempo. And that was something I think Yiska kind of like accurately pointed out at the very start of the season where like their tempo, their pace was just so, so fast. Um, and it didn't feel like fearless had didn't feel super comfortable kind of reeling it back. And then when they did, as I remember one fight on Esperanza very clearly where it was, it felt much more like paced out. Like they didn't net, necessarily try to rush things or like try to you know get back into the game if you will or like try to like answer one of the the dives um and it felt like there was this out for them where it was just like okay maybe we're playing a little too fast maybe if we slow it down a little bit have give ourselves more time to kind of set up that that sombra engage maybe Pelly has to be a little bit faster there maybe if you slow it down dong hack kind of reads that he picks it up and you know then they go aggressive it's it's hard to tell but yeah, I think it was pretty clear. Like you said, uh, didn't have uh, much much to answer. It was uh, pretty rough. Yiska? Yeah, just to get back on the point of like fe yeah. fearless and, um, you know, like who diffs who, mm -hmm. it, it illustrates a really hard point with Overwatch analysis because essentially it's like, it's like a dance, right? Like you dance, someone's toe gets stepped on. Is it the yep. person that steps on the toe or is it the guy that doesn't pull the toe back? Or is it the sure. mariachi band that's not playing on beat and therefore nobody's feet move and the old tracking is off, right? And you make <laughs> shit uh, like calls based on the false information that the viewer is never going to see. The, the, the th thing I see is man clicks on head good. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's the thing that I get to analyze, right? So... Um, yeah, it's it's super hard. Even even if we had replay viewer stuff, I think you almost, in order to get a full view, learn the Kore need to learn the Korean language and then also mm -hmm. listen to the comms who messed up, right? And that's yeah. that is really different to uh, uh, other competitions or other esports, but also is a beauty. Like it's the problem is we want to talk about the people XYZ diffs, blah blah blah. If we were to objectively talk about Overwatch, we would say Winston uh, like Houston's Winston was ineffective here. For yep. whatever yep. reason, right? And then there's the pilot sitting in there is um is fearless, right? And then sometimes mm -hmm. you can definitely say, okay, this is was an individual play. This dude just like keeps juggling out of this world. This is a mechanical outplay. Look at Shy just hitting a triple and whatever. Sure. And then it works, yeah. right? Like that this is not like coordination or whatever. Like every, anyone saying, "Oh, uh by the way, the the old works out in the way that you can triple ding headshot here," right? Like that's mm -hmm. not how it works, right? So, yeah, it's 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 really hard to have a good understanding of what clearly went wrong. Um but I will say like it really did look like Chu was not having a game like he was having it against Kevster, yeah. for instance, right? Yeah. Uh, just shortly, a couple of weeks before that. So, yeah, I I think like Stalker was in. Yeah, insane. that's one where you can just say that this kid absolutely played out of his mind in comparison to you know I think that's I wouldn't say diff necessarily because it's like I don't know it's fair to you know throw happy under the bus there but like stalker's just a fucking nut this kid's crazy i will also say and here like i'm going to continue talking out of my ass because that's what i love to do <laughs> but i okay i l l looked at that kid during the press conference he's born calm that mm. that kid is cold as ice like i don't know there's there's certain temperaments and players 
mm. that where you just know, like, yeah, of course he probably gets nervous and everything, but like he's really cool about it. He's not fidgety or whatever, right? Like yeah. he's he's just like there to kill some opponents and you know collect some trophies, and then you know it's back to grinding ranked or whatever. Sure. Right? that's that's all of those guys like you you look at mm -hmm. them and when they play and they're they're very emotionless and like from my experience of playing with people that is a massively huge trait to have for yeah. a esports player because not having that physical effect of being nervous that really does affect you as someone who is very physically nervous whenever like i'm doing these kind of things like mm -hmm. it's important to be able to calm yourself down if you can put yourself in those kind of like zen levels like you know, you see these guys, you know, I, I don't know about you guys, but when I play Overwatch, I'm fucking dodging things that are coming my direction <laughs> as oh, I'm yeah, playing yeah. the game. But some people, they play the game at a fluid, flat motion. And yeah. obviously that's going to be better because you're removing a variable from everything. But it's a mm. hard thing to train yourself. And some people are just like that. And I, that's how I feel about Chio and Filter as well, right? Like Chio's like in his interview, I think after the thing is they're like, oh, how, how nervous are you? And he's like, I'm super nervous right now. And I'm looking at him like, he doesn't look nervous, nervous at all. Yeah. He's, he's, just, he's just chilling. Like, I, I don't know. Like, it, it's those are the people that really make the difference. And those are the guys who mm -hmm. are your MVPs. You look at every MVP yep. throughout the history of the time of the Overwatch League as well, just, you know, to bring it to home, like Jonak, Leave, um, God, I'm trying to remember who all the fucking look, MVPs were, look, you know, Sinatra, like all those kind of guys. Mm -hmm. they, they, they don't have that kind of like trait that, you know, they seem to ever get nervous. They thrive in that. Like, Lip got up, and his facial expression was as if I saw a cute cat picture on Reddit. Okay. <laughs> He's like, yeah, that was so nice. It was a great day at the office, guys. All right, I'll see you back, at the, I'll see you back Monday. Yeah, like, literally. Yeah. It's, it's just... And it... And honestly, they gotta, they gotta get over that. They gotta celebrate this. Give us something. Yeah, yeah, you guys to enjoy something at some <laughs> point, right? Please. I mean, I think if you if if it came down to the wire, I think that that that's going to bring it out of anybody. Yeah. You know, any any stoic is going to feel something, you know, when it comes down last fight scenario, it's the last play of the game. You hit the crazy shot. The crowd goes wild like something's going to happen. But. Unfortunately, Atlanta is just kind of built different, and it was kind of just another game versus Houston. 4-0, thanks, see ya, trophy raise, back to the hotel room. Like, it, 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 there wasn't a lot there for them to chew on, sadly. Um, and then, yeah, you get the, I wonder, get the kind of half-hearted... Yay! I wonder if Legend RC put, put that as, like, plus one on the scrim sheet, you know? Like, just like... What? Oh. <laughs> the, the final... You, you know? guys are playing a map down, go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One another I mean, that's scrim. one way to do it. I was on stage, but yeah, just another scrim. Sure, sure, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like, I mean, Custer, you could probably attribute this, like, or at least speak on this. Like, I feel like that's kind of the mentality you want to approach a lot of games with, where it's like, you know, we've we've been here before, it's all practice, like, this is just another scrim day. Like, don't even, the, the, the crowd isn't there. It's the most common, like, esports player thing when their team mm. is doing badly. They're always like, oh, we just need to play like we do in scrims, right? Because <laughs> players, certain players do react differently on stage. Some players sure, play sure. better on stage. Some players play worse on stage. You know, some people just, like, it, it, it affects everyone differently. So it's about just getting everyone into that mentality. Every coach will always say, just do what we did in scrims. Just don't yep. overthink it. There's, like, there's a reason we practice this way. And that's mm. why, like, you'll have... Um, you know, I did this on our teams. Is like you have scrim blocks where 
you'll prepare for the scrim block as if it's you're going into a match. So everything is calculated. It's not everyone just walking around, sitting down at your desk whenever you want to do it. Like everyone is preparing as if that match is thing. And that's an important thing to get into is like, how am I going to get myself in the mindset to be able to play a match, right? Like what are the things? Because like I'm a huge believer of um, having a routine whenever you're Mm -hmm. going to play a match. I had my routine. I would go to IHOP. I would drink like three coffees and I would, I had a book that I just wrote everything that I thought I needed to know about this team that I'm going up against, everything that we were planning on doing, the map pool, everything, all that type of stuff. And that was my routine. And then like, I would do that, go home, do this, get on the bus, go and that kind of stuff. And that's really like adds a lot to removing nerves because sure. you're you're having that consistency, right? And like, I would work out in the morning as well, right? So it's like, if players have that, the players that have that, you would see a much better performance in matches than those who just wing it and show up in a lot of uh, respects. Mm-hmm. I feel like the next evolution of that is and to also ha- have this ability to stay calm, but still... You know, have this kayfabe, this, you know, shit talk capable that's separated from your core, you know? Like, you can shit talk, but it's separate from the games. You're still giving a little bit of something to the audience that they can enjoy. Because let's be honest, like, someone that's just, like, super regulated and never has emotions between, like, outside the range of four and six on the POG scale and just sits there, just, like, in homeostasis, just going, like, I feel zen, you know, like this, this yeah. is not entertainment, unfortunately, right? Like someone that seemed like you could be, uh, could do that pretty well was maybe someone like Super, maybe someone like Bumper, sure, right? Sure. Like those guys were capable of doing both of those things. And I feel like that's, that's the next evolution. And I'll tell you, international players in the biggest esports leagues, they also have to learn this, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I interviewed Faker at MSI. He doesn't have this. But he doesn't no. need to. He's Correct. just like, he just needs to be like the, you know, this icon. And that's fine, mm-hmm. right? He doesn't need to develop anything. But I look at, once again, Valorant. Can't lie, that Can Can kid just like is entertaining. Fun to watch. Yeah. yeah. Right? But also ice cold and is constantly top fragging for his team. Like someone that shit talks and backs it up on the server is so valuable to an entertainment product. Holy. 100%. 100%. I- I actually think this is a massive issue that esports as a whole is going through mm-hmm. in the last five years. Because especially with the inclusion of social media and a lot of that kind of stuff, a lot of players, first of all, people want to be like Faker. They're like, I don't sure, care about making a brand. I don't care about doing anything. I'm here to win, right? To but the, the reality is not many people win. Like yeah. there are very few people actually win. So most of those players just end up being boring players that no one ever cares about, right? And then, you know, the, a lot of players don't want to do content anymore. Like they don't mm-hmm. want to build their streams. Yeah, they don't want to do that kind it. of stuff. They're mm-hmm. not building. Yeah, you know, I'm sure you guys deal with this more than anything, right? These people don't want to promote the product and make it fun and make it interesting. And that's really hurt esports because I think it's lost a lot of the personality it had in the past. Yeah. Because, and that makes it a lot less interesting to watch. That's why I used to watch, and that's what got me into esports. I loved watching, you know, Idra on PlayStation sure. oh, 2. Yeah. I love watching Huck. <laughs> okay. I, wa- I love that rivalry yeah. Yeah. between those two guys. I, that got me into esports. That got my burning passion of like, and then I get to see them play on fucking land. Like, that's the best thing ever, right? Like, that's what everyone needs to go to. But I think the things that I've already said, plus the fact, and I think this is the biggest issue for a lot of people, is you get 
the people that get the most upset are the fans and the fans just take it to a, sure, a ridiculous level that it's not worth being yes. that guy just talking shit having fun because if you can't back it up you just get crucified and yeah. i think a prime example of this in the overwatch league is dogman you yeah. know dogman came in he's a nice guy like he's just he just wants to have fun he wants to mm -hmm. do that band he wants to go back and forth but people hated him because yeah. he called cruiser feeder in a match like that's i think the com this is never going to happen but i think people need to just take it less seriously than it actually yeah. is and enable the players to sort of show some of their personality without feeling like if they lose, people are just going to dogpile on them. Yeah. yeah. To, yeah. to be fair, there is also something to be said. Like, it's it's the most unfair thing. And that's why, like, I really like what the Boston Uprising did to in reaction to them getting public criticism. Yeah. You just take it on the chin and just keep going. You keep pushing. Like, the yeah. part of the entertainment factor for the audience is to be the shitter on Reddit that complains against that. Mm -hmm. And if you, like, the person that can... Talk the shit, even when they get hit, and the the audience keeps coming. They keep going. That's the guy that provides the most value. But it's also you got to be built built different in order to not be impacted, of course, with your per personal performance with this. But those are the guys that we really need. Now the problem is, it's not just that Dogman got piled on, and then Dogman, you know, focused on his game, became quiet, and tried to win championships as well. It's that everyone else around. Uh, dogman in the overwatch league sees i don't want to be that guy i i yeah, don't like exactly. where's the value it's not like dogman now has like the the eternal brand that he like you know he could effortlessly roll into a streaming mm -hmm. career he tried like they the payoff just feels not there yet but if yep. more people like dogman kept pushing then this could have been something and a scene that does this pretty well where everyone just constantly keeps firing is Call of Duty, right? Comparatively. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And they keep firing on Slack. They keep firring in internal channels. <laughs> they keep firing amongst each other, right? But yeah, it's all like a, an agreement, right? It's something that I think like MMA does really well. Where it's just like, yo, we're here to like sell a fight. Like we want to put butts in seats because it benefits us. Boxing does it as well, where it's just like, we're going to just say some stuff. Obviously, yeah. there's lines, there's boundaries that you just shouldn't cross. Some people do. You know, you can feel about them the way yeah. you want. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of an agreement that it's just like, you know, whatever happens in the interviews, you know, it's just the interviews. You know, I have a respect for you. You know, we're going to hug it out after we punch each other in the head for 30 minutes. Um, and, you know, you you figure it out after the fact. But like it benefits everybody. It rises everybody up if this fight's great and the next fight's great. Like it, it, it makes career fans. And that's something that esports desperately needs because those are people who pay. And that's the one thing that if you ask anybody in esports, the one thing that we need is people who pay because we ain't got a lot of that. I'll also tell you straight up, like the best organization in the Overwatch League in terms of providing that particular value is the Adan Terrain. Like mm -hmm. every one of those interviews, it's just, they just chat it out. If it's Gator, yeah. if it's Hawk, they don't, like they just keep going. <laughs> and that like, at least for me, like the viewership backs it up. Like, like it's a sure. five or six X on, on views in comparison to everyone mm -hmm. else. It's the, the amount of information that Gator provided in these interviews just because, like, why not, you know? Yeah. And also, I think maybe this was a little encouraging in comparison. He actually didn't get roasted that hard. No. Okay, he, okay here's, here's my counterpoint to, to that, especially within the Overwatcher community, is 
Gator, those guys are able to come out and talk their shit right now because they are the best. <laughs> like, what, what are people going to say? You know, like flame them? Like they're, they're better than everyone else. You can't do that. Think about, you know, Atlanta two years ago with both mm -hmm. Gator and Hawk who both just decided, well, I'm just never going to use social media again because yeah. every time they came out, people are just like, you're just complaining because you suck. These guys are complaining now and they're the best, right? Like that's yeah. the thing. It's why the reason Reiner disappeared. The same thing, you know, going back to your Boston Uprising point, they probably would have been crucified and that social media manager might have gotten fired mm -hmm. if Boston ended up sucking. Like if they did come through and they were boomed and this team went with under the, you know, Toronto Defiant tracks, right? Yep. It wouldn't have been the same. But because Boston is good, it's all just in good banter and the community rallies behind them. And I think that's the problem is that it feels like if you're down, it feels like you're never able to to be that guy and yeah. i think that's and a lot of people are scared of doing that and that's i we need to get out of that you know we need to have fun with it you know, remember when like atlanta said it's not coming home to the london spitfire and sure, the yeah. internet fucking imploded on itself mm -hmm. when it was just some fun comment that actually had yeah. a lot of relation to what was going on in the world because the world cup was going on like yeah i think we're just a soft community and you know Love especially it. when you Love compare it, it to Cup. Yeah. oh yeah for sure like that that's a culture of i mean you know there's there's you know endless memes of like oh you wouldn't survive in a modern warfare 2 lobby yeah. it's like it's born and bred in, in console gaming it feels like yeah um and here we have you know it's it's a little softer and it's not inherently a bad thing i think you just have to approach it a little differently where it's like you know people view maybe like the mayhem of like 2018 a little bit you know with with rose tinted glasses where they're doing silly stuff and it's fun and it's affable and they suck but it's okay because we love them because they they do the fun anime dance and they come out and they're you know it's it's different but then people flame them like why don't you focus on the you know practicing and getting good it's like True, how long yeah. did you think they were standing in that back room <laughs> thinking about this this took them 30 seconds what the fuck are you talking about like they're memeing to have fun because they're they're able to play on stage in front of you know a hundred thousand yeah. people on a stream and they're living the dream and they're having their best life and you guys are crucifying them because yep. they're not that good like yeah but at least they're you know they're trying like they're absolutely trying their hardest yes. those guys are all great players and they're all trying their hardest to win just because they do a funny walkout doesn't mean they're not taking it seriously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's it's important to also recognize. Like when I interviewed Faker, a thousand interviews were staring back at me. Maybe yeah. more, right? Mm. Same with Simple, same with Device. There's a certain coolness just having been asked and also audacious questions. Sure. Uh, like that, that there's a security. Some start playing with it, right? Like I remember, mm. oof, I was... I um, I talked to Device. I'm not sure how the question came to be. Oh yeah, he was talking about like how every time after like long uh, like preparation stretches after a major, he just gets sick as the stress falls off and his mu immune system shuts down, and then he just gets sick, right? And uh, my question was like, how are you feeling after this major? And he's like, yeah, this is a weird situation because it had been a while since I've lost one. And it like the the way he said it, it was just like <laughs> everyone's just like chuckling to himself because yeah, he had one back to back majors at that point, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, so, yeah. So like a cool as fuck answer to that, and like that you know what? Interviewing simple, that dude was like, okay, we have a group interview. Okay, everyone gather around, took a chair, turned it around, sat sat on it like cowboy style basically, and went like, okay, questions. You know, like that coolness just comes after a thousand interviews sure through, yeah it's right it's and not just being one anymore. of the greats you know everyone's yeah. everyone's here to excited to talk to you right like <laughs> yeah
And I feel like if we just got to get there, like, yes, if you're 19 right now, those first interviews will stress you the fuck out. Sure. I'm not going to lie, right? Like, that's just going to be the case. And um, I think it's worth getting through. Like, mm. it, for everything. This is, this is a transferable skill that you take after this, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you're going to be sitting in interviews your entire life for anything. If it's, you know, for a job, for a date. Someone's True. going to ask you life, like, questions and going to try to measure you. And someone will evaluate you and you got to show off your coolness in order to show that you can handle the situation. And um, I think a lot of orcs actually do a pretty great job. Um, mm -hmm. I, I just think like the, it, it would be super cool if more players were open to that uh, experience as well. Of course, like, look, I'm of course selfishly arguing Right here. I'm aware what I'm currently doing, right? But um, I still honestly think like it would benefit the future of this esports a lot if we once again get back to mm. um, a level of not so serious trash talk, right? Yeah. I also think teams need to make their own content, I think has been a huge hole. So players yeah. don't have that ability to yes. show their personal. Like when I was a player, we had, you know, I had Custom News Network, we had sure. um, uh, Game of Snacks, and then we had like our own like weekly thing that we did, and, you know, sitting down doing an interview. And as you said, it's something that you're, no, people just aren't good at it. They just do it a lot. And yeah. then you eventually get to a point where you're comfortable and you're happy to sit there and talk about anything. And you brought this up earlier, you scared. It's one of the biggest failures or oh, well it's not even a failure of the league but the very unfortunate that super ended up leaving yeah. because i think super was one of the best at it of like he was able to sit down and he will give you good answers he'll give you funny answers he'll give you insight he'll do all that same kind of thing i feel the same way about space and you know everything that happened with him you know yeah, sure. regardless like space was also great at interviews he was thing but i remember yes. in 2018 when he first joined the team like I said to him, man, I'm like, hey, man, you want to be as big as I know you want to be. You got to do interviews. You got to do content mm -hmm. because people aren't going to give a shit about you. Otherwise, you're just going to be hanging on the thread of being successful. Right. And if he hadn't done all that content, he hadn't done all those interviews. He hasn't really been super successful as a player. And like people wouldn't think of him in that light. So I think there's to a lot of players, if you have the ability to, there are some people who just don't want to do it. Like, prime sure. example, Shax, that guy. He was a great guy, one of the quietest guys I ever know. That man doesn't want to be in content. That man never wants to do an interview in his life, and that's okay. But yeah. if you want to be that and you want to be meaningful and you have a long-standing career, you need to do that. Yep. I remember, yep. I remember because you're talking about space, I remember there was an Overwatch League press conference, and I knew we had three winners sitting there because it was space, Super, and Jake. And yeah. they were just in the press conference. I think... Not to exaggerate, I think 20 to 25 journalists were still there. So you know when that time was, when there was still this much interest in the Overwatch League. And they were just having jokes. Like every, all the journalists were muted but listening. And they were just bantering back and forth. You know, like like they would if nobody was watching. Mm -hmm. And yeah. there I knew, okay, like these guys are going to be names, right? Or are already names. And you can see that this confidence at their age is just hard earned through exposure right and like yeah. the art of not giving a fuck yep it's it's i think something that you hear uh, prattled isn't the right word but it is something that it, it constantly you, you hope to maybe break through to somebody that like yeah the interviews help 
the branding helps like you have to worry about yourself in some ways outside of just this grim today or like the block tomorrow like your career is is yes player first but like there is orbiting stuff that you have to do if you want to you know work in the space like there there are avenues elsewhere um in esports that you know how many how many players like transition obviously custa like i'm it's not lost on me that you're one of them but like you can even go outside of your own initial game where it's like you know you've you've built up transferable skills to go elsewhere and it's like if you don't if you don't do it then you can't try to claim it you know what i mean like it's it's you got to start somewhere uh, yeah, I have a lot of people like it, people always ask me, it's like, what am I going to do after the Overwatch League? I really enjoy casting and I like maybe I could go to another game, but I like I am very aware that I can go do a lot of mm-hmm. other things just because of the name and the resume that I built up yep. from my years. Right. And that's not always possible. And I think a lot of players sort of run into that issue of like, well, now that I've stopped playing, well, now what? what what do I do? I, yeah. I don't want to be a coach. Like, that's not what I, I I'm not feeling that it's like well do I go to collegiate and get a degree and that kind of stuff there mm-hmm. aren't that many like and there are players that like I'm always like I wouldn't know where they are now like a prime one to me is agilities like Brady sure. like a great friend of mine worked played with him for um for a long time haven't talked to the guy haven't heard anything about him in a while he had that streaming contract with Toronto for a bit but mm-hmm. since then it's it's hard to really know where all these people end up Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, there's a lot of players that just sort of fade, and a lot of people don't want to stay in esports and don't sure. want to stay in video games. But you know, there's a lot of great skills that you can learn while still being a player because you get opportunities that you will never get. Yep. Like, the, think about it. We're able to talk to like game developers. If you want to go into game dev, mm-hmm. this is one of the best foots to think. Like, that's something I would love to do. Like, if I ever got an opportunity to become a yeah. game dev because of my experience of being a competitive player and everything that I know, like, I would do that in a heartbeat. Yep. But that's something that you need to work towards. I think like not, not too far from like Yisco's wheelhouse. I think like somebody who I, I believe works at Activision Blizzard these days. I think Talbotar like famously of like a wow. I'm not sure if he still works there, but he did. At least right. A ton of uh, wow players just like went into Hearthstone and whatnot. Right. Like, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. So like, uh, but this is also another thing that this esports needs to get better with is, Keep the talent around. If you look sure, at yeah. Valorant, yeah. their ability to be sticky for professional and entertainers to also, you know, set camp at that particular esport, not the game, not variety streaming and like play that game 15% of the time, that game, mm-hmm. right? That is so much higher than an Overwatch. Like we have, it's it's crazy that we just this week hear one of the guys <laughs> sign a one hundred million dollar contract, right? We have Shorefor, we have like, um, like even outside th- theoretically, like, uh, what's his name, uh, former Fnatic coach that now streams Rafa with Gator. Shorefor, yeah, Gator yeah, with Shorefor, like all these guys are just like outside of Overwatch and doing very yeah. well, right? Super, yeah. so. What are we doing wrong that they don't want to align their brands with esports? Well, okay. I, I, here's, here's my disagreement because I think that's a hard thing to do, to keep people yes. in-house. And I think the only game that's ever been able to do that is League of Legends. There, there mm-hmm. are people who have been doing this for like 10 plus years, yeah. right? Yeah. But I, don't, I think it's way too early for people to be doing comparisons of Valorant to Overwatch because the one thing that Valorant hasn't had to live through yet is a new game coming out that yeah. directly competes with them. Owls... Yeah 
was Fortnite and then Valorant, right? And that's that has led to the death because people just leave and they'll go to the new esport. That happens every time a new primary esport comes out. That is my question for Valorant is, will it live through a competitor and the test of time? Like Riot can't keep throwing this level of money at it 100% of the time unless they stay not, yeah. at this level. But as people are going to get bored. People are going to move on as soon as something comes out that's more interesting. And yes. I'm excited to see what happens there. Is Valorant truly a generational game that people will be playing for another 15 mm -hmm. years? Or mm -hmm. is it just the flavor of the last few years because it hasn't had that competition? Yeah, check check this podcast out in year five of Valorant Esports and see see where we're at in the timeline of, you know, interest. Like, remember where, like, so Valorant is three years old, right? Mm-hmm. Roughly, Overwatch, yeah. when we were three years old, was in 2019 of the Overwatch mm -hmm. League, yeah. right? Er, we hit. were still, we hot. were hitting, we just came out with the announcement of Overwatch 2, BlizzCon, yeah. we were firing, everything was looking great. Yes. People were like, Blizzard can't take an L, this, this franchise is going to go to the moon. But then, reality struck, other yeah. things came in, COVID happened. You know, just the world happens yeah. and games happen. Like, can Valorant, will Valorant be able to over yeah. surpass that as well? It's, it's yeah. also not just the intro, like the competition with other games. It's also just like really hard to keep those dopamine receptors filled for Zoomers yeah. over mm -hmm. extended periods of time. Like, it's really hard to uh, create consistent novelty and like exceed expectations in order sure. to make people stick. Like, even without any direct competitor. Like you gotta beat yourself. Like the the audience is is something that you need to beat as as the mm -hmm. that's the game, right? Not necessarily even whoever else is trying to uh, get the, the that core audience's attention. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. I think I think it doesn't help matters that you know there there is some you know immediate PR when you know the PVE this and the, you know the the two years of like no development. For the game, and people are just kind of yeah. No one's defending Overwatch. That. Yeah, yeah no, like, as I said, I think Overwatch is heavily fumbled. I think it has an yes. incredible IP, um, yeah. and I think they've fumbled it with it pretty hard. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, my hope and the thing is, like people, people are so jaded that they want everything else except for what they love to fail. Yeah, I really hope Valorant keeps going. Like they are yes. pushing the envelope. They're doing yes. phenomenal mm -hmm. things. I I've loved that game. I love playing it. I go and I play a bunch of Swift play with my partner all the time. Like it's just. It's just a fun game, and I hope mm -hmm. it. I hope it really does live through the test of time. With that said, though, I'm also looking forward to see what the next big game is because we don't. Mm. You never know what it is until it's there. Yes, that's true. That's for damn sure. Auto chess snuck up on me. Oh yeah, I you know what I mean. Just out of nowhere, it's like, oh, you played this mod. It's like, well, I don't know. Now you've got <laughs> TFT, and you've it's all over the place. Um, as we kind of wrap up, I don't want to take up too much of your time. We did get news about Flashpoint. That is probably something we have to discuss. Initial thoughts, Yiska. I know that you love randomness, and I know that you love uh, new game modes and uh, playoff scenarios, so uh, let me hear it. Right, so to give a little bit of background, so mm -hmm. we essentially, and you can disagree with that framing, um, we're essentially playing control, but like on random locations, right? And the... Sort of. Like... The problem I have with it is that it is actually random where mm. it opens, like the, the specific point open. And because, yes, like parts of the map have um, symmetrical architecture, right? Yeah. And part of the map doesn't as it open up, opens up, right. right? And I know you're a fan of this, Joe, but 
personally, like I hate when a team gets to a point where it's advantageous for them to sit and not push for the advantage, mm -hmm. but rather wait out, create boring scenarios, and probably sure. win the fight by the opponent having to push into it. Like that's that's yeah. a problem I have with push. Um, and theoretically, by that asymmetry, that is theoretically possible here as well, right? Mm -hmm. Even though, like, what's the specific win condition? Do you have to get to uh, three? I think to win, or is I it... think that was what they were saying. It's like yeah. if the first person to get to three control points wins. Yeah. Is there so time? Not like a secondary timer. I, I, yeah. Again, that's devils. Devils in the details when it comes to a lot of this stuff. Where it's like, if there is a timer, can you? You know, without to to use a to steal a term from like fighting games, can you kind of timer scam people where it's just like you know, oh, we got our point, now we're just gonna like sit into like a really defensible position and stop you from getting to the other points and just sit on ours for ten minutes and just win, you know, like yeah, yeah. There's maybe a theoretical like secondary win condition I mean, that you know we're not talking about, but we hard to know. Even if not, like it would like depending on the meta, it would just suck if you get into map positions where like both should not engage you know like the sure. coliseo sure. like yeah. situation where you're sitting in front of each other three minutes now you don't have a time limit and yeah. like it's not even that those those guys like one of those guys is forced to make a play yeah. that in itself like i i wonder how it like unfortunately this has to go wrong in pro play a couple of times before we even mm -hmm. discuss finding a solution um, and I also don't foresee that probably being the case with too many compositions. Another thing I don't like is apparently like the first location is only revealed once the doors open. That just screams to uh, Squidge Fest to me. Like that's just sure. like yeah. depending mm. on how much you need to travel. Maybe like you roll up with another comp. Maybe depending on what the architecture is, you roll up with another comp. It just also feels like like a shitload to prep. If my math is right, the teams will probably get two weeks with this patch of no play mm -hmm. to prepare for this. I'm not sure if that's enough, especially also with the new hero. Um, it's better than five days. Let's be honest. Sure, of course. And that's two weeks, I think, before play-ins. So the playoff teams have even more time to prepare. Um, okay. I'm, I'm still, like, once again, like, this is all very theoretical and as we know in Overwatch, like whatever you think about a new hero, how it will interact mm -hmm. with the game or whatever, or like new map type and whatnot, you probably won't have a read without uh, a correct read without actually seeing it in scrims or live matches. So I'm looking yeah. forward to that happening, dude. If by the way, probably no league staff will um, will get to this point in the episode, but maybe har harass your favorite team staff across the league with this clip. Make it possible for me to just sit in your scrims and analyze how the meta evolves in the first two weeks. I want to, like, I, I can anonymize it. I just, like, would describe the broad meta strokes and how teams figure out this map incrementally. Mm. I'll sit there all night for the first two weeks and just look how the map meta evolves and just, like, describe that to the audience without, you know, giving anything ne necessarily away. That would you be so cool. Right, like, yeah. or even if you're the one when he's sitting in those scrims, just like try to, with the VODs. yeah, not vods, but like try to have a little, you know, notepad for me to, you know, like compare. Then I'll do the same for APAC or whatnot and see mm -hmm. like how those 
regions try to figure it out because that is one of the coolest aspects uh, historically to just see like how do metas or playstyles evolve uh, and when a new completely new mode launches especially as complex i think theoretically yeah. this has a chance to like be very played very differently than uh, the overwatch we played before it could also just be very the same <laughs> and it could just be control you know um <laughs> and I, we'll see and i wonder like if if we will find out that control dreams are generally also pretty good at this map type and actually in all, what everything okay. that we uh -huh. did is just like you know, one large like XXL menu of control. Um, Fancy control to end It's like series, a seamless guys. control, right? Yeah, like yeah. your way you're going from point to point. Like for, mm -hmm. for me, the from just looking at it and they talk about the scope and the size of these maps is yeah. mobility is going to be king. And mm -hmm. yes. I think that is always a problem whenever you have it's the same thing with control of like mobility is king because you need to get to the point first you need to uh then you can control and then you can get back faster like i think lucio right now is going to be a must pick mm -hmm. i wouldn't be surprised if the new hero that they're planning on introducing is a hero that provides mobility or provides some form of assistance in that way that could counter lucio because people have been saying for a very long time there needs to be something or someone who will rival Lucio. Mm. And if that is, you know, coming in, first of all, I welcome that. I would great to have more options other than one person who provides speed boost, but sure. you're going to need a Lucio right now. Like there has to be. You just look at these maps. Yeah. And then the question becomes, are we playing dive because you want to get there really fast? Or are we playing a brawl because you want to get there fast and then just hold your ground? It's it seems like there's a lot of chokes all around these maps right now, which would get a lot of value from your Symmetras, your Maze yeah. and those type of things. So I don't want to really speak too much about it because it'll become very clear. Like a lot of the pain points that Yiska's saying will sure. become very clear very quickly of like, is this a problem? I have to err on the side of surely they know what they're doing um, when they're trying this out of like, how will this play out? Because you don't want it to just be something. Because I agree with Yiska. Any situation in which not going for the objective mm -hmm. is the best course of action is a bad game design. Yep. If I see that, like, let's say we're looking at this point and it's in the far corner of the map. If the points capture fast enough that it's like, well, we can just give that one up, give 30 seconds, and we know where the next one's going, or we can just zone them out of the next one, yeah. that'll give us an advantage. And then that'll give us an advantage for the next point after that because they're stuck in a corner of the map. Then it does. Another thing as well is how do spawn doors work here? Yep. Like, if we're going all <laughs> over the map, yeah. who's, it, does that mean one person's going to have an advantage on some spawns? Or are the spawns going to be retroactively moving from both sides based on what spawn point is alive? How does that work if the pack yeah. map has been flipped by both teams of where the spawn door is? Are you going to get zoned out? Like, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered, yeah. and nothing of what they've shown us so far has yeah. really answered that because that's very nitty gritty competitive of course, stuff. Yes. Of, is it balanced? I yeah. would, I would like if I try to meta read this. I think you know, like when we had the when the spawns uh, relocated, let's say on push. They got mm -hmm. had this new tech come in where you could teleport to the other spawn, right? Yes. Yeah. I feel like this was made for this map type. A hundred percent. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. So maybe uh, it's like COD where you get you like multiple your spawn, spawn locations. Yeah. yeah. Picking on the respawn. <laughs> that would be interesting. That solves a lot of like the questions that I had, where it was like, you know, I think um I think Aaron Keller uh, talked about how the the walk back time. I, I think he used the verbiage walk back time off of respawn was the same for each team, which is great. It's I love mm. to hear that. 
But the issue arises when it's like, okay, red team won the first team fight, blue team lost. Now red team caps the first point and exists on the map, so they don't have to walk back. They just rotate. Yeah. Where blue team has to actually walk back, thus making the walk back time not equivalent. So it's like, again, what is there? Are there multiple spawns? Can you choose them? Like what you're saying, Custom? It, it again, a lot of this is detail driven. I'm glad that it's simple. I'm glad that it's not some crazy new. Uh, here we go, guys. We're playing kill confirmed, and we gotta grab the dog tags of our favorite Overwatch. Like, what if nothing... there's a bus that flies yeah. over the top, and you can jump <laughs> out of it, so you can choose where you land? I don't know. There you go. Know. Yeah, it, I'm glad it's not just out of the woodwork, and it does feel kind of like similar, where it's like, okay, well, it's fancy control. You know, another point that it felt, I felt was kind of very familiar was a lot of the same talking points that they used about push where it's like oh yeah we're we're trying to like open up the map and we want you to flank and think about all the opportunity and it's like well guys it's it's still overwatch like we're gonna stick together and run around like sometimes we'll do a oh crazy flank but like yeah we have a big map now nobody's everybody's gonna still do the same thing like i i it feels like they're still trying to like force this like we want you guys to disperse, like break apart from the death ball, like really reach out and touch people. And it's like, it's, I just don't see that happening in this game, guys. It's been seven years. Apex, you know, going into the Overwatch Open shout outs. It, it's never happened. I don't think it's gonna give them a big map. Maybe like you said, like we don't know. It's hard to tell. It's a new game mode, but I don't know. I'd, I'd place my bets I on will say. Mm. I think this looks better than 2CP. Just like, like yeah. off of the bat. Yes. Like, Agreed. Agreed. I, I, I don't see how this could go so terribly wrong that it would be just like worse than what we've had in the mm -hmm. past. I, I, it looks fun. It looks like yeah. how Overwatch should be played. Agreed. The only other concern that I have is if it's three capture points, how quickly do they tick up? Yes. Can I finish a game in four minutes? Yep. That was like, going to be uh, my next point. Yeah, no, I, I think it, like, if I look at the, the percentage timer, it feels a little bit faster than regular control, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it should, because otherwise you just have, like, you know, control, but with five maps. Yeah. Um, I also don't think you will actually have too many intermediary fights between points in transition. That yeah, I think it, would, it wouldn't be in anyone's best interest to fight before. Yeah. Unless, like, a tracer gets, like, a pick and then you can collapse or whatever. But I think also yeah. the size of the map just makes it very opportune to, you know, rotate effectively out of harm's mm -hmm. way and, like, reset the fight that way. But, yeah, I've, I, if I'm reading this correctly... I, I also, of course, the, the, the speed can be very easily balanced. I think that sure. like, the yeah. charge time is something very easily changeable if your uh, games just take too long, but... Yeah, it's it's intriguing to think about because it's also really hard to get right. Like, um, mm -hmm. yeah, and then old states transition between points, and like it, that's also another different thing. And like, how does that snowball? And it's yeah, it's super hard to to foretell. And then especially what you said, like that would have been my next point. Like, how long does this map type take? Like, is it yeah. is it ten, fifteen? Like, is it less? I don't know. It's it's a weird one. I think if if you can average it out to like 12 minutes a game, like 10 that's minutes fair. a game, I think yeah. that's the perfect situation. I think that's where push, I think pretty heavily struggles right now is like, mm. I I played a game yesterday where I was in a 15 minute queue and we joined that game and we won in like two and a half minutes. Like <laughs> the game just wasn't balanced. We won and I was like, well, guess we go back in queue, right? <laughs> like that. And that just feels really bad when the game mm. is 
you know, a quarter of the length of the queue that I waited to play it. Um, yeah. So I, I, I'm curious to see how that's going to play for this game mode as well. Am I the only one who like has PTSD when it comes to like the old control, like best of five, double up the sub maps, get the random ones back in the day? I don't know which dev I have to speak to to get off this random control nonsense, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like control is just the best kind of way to like fight because you're like yeah, forcing an option. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Like I agree with you. Like this, you know, a, a lot of people like you know, I, I don't blame the devs because you know, no, obviously no, no. they want to create. Yeah, no. uh, you know, they they're creating things. They have to be excited about it, but. Yeah. It's the, it is control, but they took hard point from COD and just sort of like moved it around, yeah. right? And that's, that's I actually think it's a great game mode. And I, I'm surprised mm-hmm. no one's really thought about it uh, earlier. But yeah, it, this isn't doing anything new. So and yeah. that's one of my optimisms yeah. as well. It's like this isn't something new. There is a pretty set formula that people know is successful. Yep. Yeah. It is the there is beauty in that simplicity and like now that it's fancy control with like a really big map that's persistent. How does that, you know, that is a very fundamental way to change, a, you know, a game type. Like, what does that do? Ideally, maybe that changes up some things, maybe adds some avenues for some playmaking, which would be cool. I'm skeptical, but we'll see. And then that's kind of the, the interesting part. It's, it's not an immediate turnoff. It's like a cautious optimism, right? I, I think that's kind of the, the vibe of the room. Yeah. Yeah. If, if, okay. What do you guys think, or do we know this is going to be the first in a best of five, right? Or rather, first, first of three. I don't know. I, I I do know that there were like talks about this of like where would be the best to put it. Um, I think a lot of people like starting with control. Maybe they would put it first. I don't think you'd ever want to put it last. Yeah. Because then you would very rarely see it. I would like to have it like third, at least when it first gets introduced. Because I think you want to play it. Yeah. Like you want to see That's it get fair. played every series if you're doing a best of uh, three. Oh, sorry, first of three. Um, I think I don't think anyone would be upset if push went to five, right? Like, yeah, I don't think. But then your best me. moments are on push, like your like hype maps. It's like, do you really want to have the great equalizer on map five be push? Yeah, it's a tough it's one. Yeah. I, I just want it to be figure it out and just stick to it and then maybe if we want to revisit what that format looks like in 2024 i just have a a gripe with maybe how last year we integrated we tried to integrate push where it was like okay well what if we have like off like off weeks where we have two push game modes and we actually don't play control and it's like oh that kind of sucks like because we don't know how to play this game man it's not good as long as we're not like doing anything super crazy i'm okay with it Let's just pick pick a spot, stick it there, and we'll figure it out as we learn it. It's yeah, not, yeah. you know, fortunately, break the formula. we have five game modes and five maps now. Yes, so, which is great. You know, that it, it'll There's be no hard to up. do it. Yeah, we're not doubling up push. Yeah, where we play New Queen Street and then we play Colosseo yeah. again and again and again and again. Funnily enough, I was looking at uh, Atlanta Reigns' uh, Reigns win rates. The only two mat, uh, maps they lost in the regular season were actually control. So control. by removing yep. one control. That actually might help them, you know? Um, yeah, but then well, now they're playing fancy control. So, like, does it? Sure. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it'll be interesting to see if it has the same level of RNG. Because, like, yeah. uh, control is an RNG kind of control. Because it's, like, it is really dictated very quickly by, like, the first team fight. Yes. I think is really important. And yeah. then, like, very random things heavily change the outcome of our, any round of cough. And that's why it does go... 
it is probably the most variable game mode that exists. Yep. So will this have the same issue? It's it, yeah. it, it's always like a knife fight where you... It always felt that way in GOATS too, where it was like, you know, you win that first fight, you snowball the resources, you get that lead, maybe third, fourth fight, you you get the bank thrown at you and then you reset, but you also... It, like there is there was that like economy war and it yeah. and it always kind of feels that way where it's really tough to see somebody like claw all the way back and win it like 100 to zero is you know as much as maybe that sticks out in people's minds the math again supports like that's just not common yeah um mm. so there's there's always that 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 draw to like oh, i wish control was just a little bit longer where we get like not comebacks but like we get a truer sense of like what's going on because like you said one thing goes wrong one way for the the favorite team and it's like oh well all right well that's a, that's a map go to yeah. game two it's just doesn't always feel good it just yeah it just feels weird at times especially when yeah. you play it on one and five so i'm mm -hmm. welcoming a new game mode yes 100 percent because you know the, the the not so secret secret uh, is that a lot of people just scrim a lot of control because it's the best game mode to scrim right like it's the most played game mode if i start it and end it and we're the best at control then we have the best chances of winning right yeah it's also the most fun i, I think a lot sure. of people would i would agree that i think control is one of the most fun game modes because it does mm -hmm. feel very fast and yep. like you know it, it it feels like you're getting value and like you're always fighting unlike hybrid and that kind of stuff where it feels like you can get caught in chokes and you yeah. know that kind of like dumb stuff so who's pushing the car what are we yeah, the, yeah. you know it's just very simple it's very true to overwatch um and yeah so I'll, I'll flashpoint say is interesting just a minor side point because as yeah. a person with a you know pretty scuffed PC, I really hope like when I hear big map size, yeah. I'm sweating for my frame rate. <laughs> <laughs> of course, like Blizzard historically is one of the best ones about op optimizing um, mm -hmm. and like not having these hiccups. But like, oof, hopefully that doesn't tank uh, you know frame rate too I'm much. I'm sure it'll be alright. I'm sure you'll be good. You won't be overheating. I don't know you said Diablo is eating your stuff, but yeah. we'll Diablo see. Diablo does eat everything. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cause, cause I think Yiska prior to the show was like, bro, is Diablo like ruining your PC? Cause I got to restart it after a while. So okay. I think you're, you're putting some, some nerves at ease for him as, as much as he's abused his computer to say, uh, not to, not to out the man. It's the only game that like my graphics card fans just start whirring yeah. randomly. <laughs> like every like couple of seconds. It's like, well, okay, cool. Very good. I hope it don't crash. Yeah, I'm tired I hope of it doesn't restarting. Break. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Cussa, for coming on and talking about the midseason madness, Flashpoint, all all things Overwatch at the moment. Um, anything you know you want to say to the fans? Any anything you want to plug? Anything coming up? No, thanks for having me on once again. It was fun talking about all these things. You know, yeah. it was uh, it's always fun. You're know, hearing your guys' perspectives because you know, as I said, I watch a lot of your stuff and like your interviews and stuff. But it's always fun. You know, just chatting, chatting, chatting the shit, you know, yeah. especially with so much coming up in Overwatch. Um, yeah, no, thanks. Thanks to the fans for sticking through it. I'm looking forward to mm -hmm. this new uh, playoffs that's coming through. I think we've got a bunch of breaks coming up. I don't know really what's planning on going on, but, you know, I'm looking forward to this playoffs. Hopefully it should be an absolute banger. Um, yeah, check, check out my stream if you want to hear me talk about more random stuff and playing some Overwatch. I got a few weeks break before we come back to season, so I'm I'm breaking off some rust on the support <laughs> he's spinning up the old support yes guy what's coming down the pipeline 
Yeah. Um, first off, thanks to Kester for coming on. Uh, between you know, like being in those eternal scrims and uh, like trying yeah. out once again. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, like I, I'm. I actually sit down with another player to uh, to more. I guess I can just say it here because nobody's going to get to that part of the episode anyway. But I'm going to sit down with Aspire. Um, oh, nice. You know, freshly oh. called up uh, US boy. Uh, we'll we'll talk about that with him, um, and then. Next week, probably Christopher. I would say, oh, of course, a lot of um, a lot of teams are currently on vacation. It's like mm -hmm. yeah. this is the week where it's hard to get interviews, and then hopefully yeah. as the break, so we won't start scrimming again. I think generally, like around the twenty fifth, twenty sixth is when, like a lot of teams I talk to, start up scrimming again, and hopefully I get get to catch some players. Uh, you know, just coming off vacation. All righty, Golo. Check out Cuss's stream. Jiska's doing crazy stuff. Thank you so much for watching the episode. Uh, we'll be back with 303 uh, coming probably next week. We'll talk, probably, you know, do some review. I'm sure there'll be some more roster moves. So stay tuned. All that stuff. 303, we'll see you next week. Adios.